0: Goes out of the gun. Two receivers right, one goes left. Jonathan Taylor stays in as the back to the left of Ryan. Good protection. Now it wears out. He lost the ball. He is strip sacked. The ball is out. It's all the way at the 31 yard line. It looks like the Colts. Nope, Tennessee's got it. That is the eighth fumble this season by Matt Ryan. Tannehill on play action. Fires into the end zone, wide open. That's a touchdown, and that is Robert Woods. Ryan out of the gun, takes a snap. Good protection. Hangs in the pocket. The ball batted down at the line of scrimmage. Tipped up in the air. It might be intercepted. Back in the throw, Matt Ryan. Great protection, and he lost the ball again. He is sacked, and I think the Colts have it, but another lost fumble on a sack. That's two of them today by Matt Ryan, he came in
1: with seven fumbles on the season.
2: Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger.
1: We can put together a clean game. You know, just, just go out there and put, put together a clean game where we're not turning it over, we're executing the way we can. I think we can be very good. The, the results are what they are.
3: Same old story, same old song. Goes all right till it goes on.
4: Right. Literally, Kevin... Now could take any soundbite from yesterday's post-game press conference, and if you were to extract the thing specific to the particular game, like a particular play, the overall narrative and reasoning and reaction, same old crap, right? Same crap. Well, you know, we're really close. We've got a few things to clean up. I've heard that for like 10 years. Uh, what what are we doing here?
5: Yeah, if you're Jim Mercer, you got to be thinking to yourself right now. This is how my football team has responded to me publicly putting myself out there. Um, behind the scenes did it last year in relation to this opponent and ripping his coaches and scouts and what Tennessee means to him. And then on Thursday, we talked about it last week, uh, him going on his Twitter spree, really. And that's how they respond to you. How they responded to week 18 last year was that performance down in Houston. How they responded to losing an eighth straight season opener was down there in Jacksonville getting shut out. And now how they respond with such a massive divisional game at home. that's the one we haven't seen yet, Jake. We've seen a lot of these on the road. Now it happened at home where once again, you're down three scores and as you sit here right now on October 3rd, this is a bad football team in a worse division. It's a bad
4: division for sure, right? Although, is it <laughs> is it maybe a better division than we thought, and that's why it looks
5: bad? I, I, I think it's just a bad division. I mean, Houston's winless. I mean, don't tell me the Titans are good. The Titans have been outscored by like 50 points in the second half this season. Yeah, 51 I think it was, right? And I just, again, if you're the owner, there's there's just a couple of questions that have to be asked. And one was what I just alluded to in that, Frank Reich, this is how your football team has responded? Four straight divisional games where you're down at least 17 points in those games? And then two, you got to look at your general manager and say, you know, the backbone of your football team, how you want to be built, what you believe in. We can debate Chris Boward's roster building. To me, he's not built it in the right manner. But if you're Ursa, you you go to him and say, wait, how you want to be built is through the trenches. Run the football, stop the run. And yesterday was the worst rushing performance in probably the Ballard-Reich era. And you're looking at a guy that you let walk in free agency once again wreck the game and Nico Autry. The other thing that I thought about
4: yesterday, to your point, just kind of to add to that, if you were to, like right now... If you were to say, going into that game yesterday, we have two elite-level running backs in the NFL, but one of them, it feels like, maybe is starting to turn the corner towards the backside of his career, and the other one um, is right in his prime and fairly unstoppable. They 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 flipped roles in the game. Because Jonathan Taylor was nowhere to be found, and Derrick Henry... I know Derrick Henry has you know been banged up at times and and has some games where maybe he does not have the numerical production that we're used to seeing out of Derrick Henry, but that wasn't the case yesterday. Oh, he looks spry. That wasn't the case yesterday. I was watching him. I, I I pointed out on Twitter the the program yesterday. I don't know if I still have it here or not, but the program yesterday was it was Marvel Day, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a Marvel character. I don't Captain America or somebody with Matt Ryan's body on it, right? So this huge, hulking superhero with Matt Ryan's – or excuse me, with Matt Ryan's head on that body. And I i, I took the picture of it. I'm, it's Matt Ryan's head on Derrick Henry's body because Derrick Henry is just a huge – I mean, that guy is such a specimen and a wonderful talent. But when he gets the ball – and what Tennessee does – that I think is really good, and I don't see the Colts doing this enough with Jonathan Taylor. You ever notice how far back Henry lines up? He gets that head of steam. Oh, by the time he gets to the line, he is sprinting downhill, and he's like six foot nine, 310 pounds with 4% body fat. Good luck. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but he literally is like trying to stop a Coke machine on wheels. And. You know, listen,
5: they use him and utilize him in ways yesterday that that the Colts couldn't answer. And, Jake, I think that's what is so disappointing, specific to yesterday, is we talked all last week, and, I mean, I was dead wrong. I, I said that the confidence that I have about Sunday is that you have stopped the run better than any team in the NFL this past season. The Titans are banged up up front. Henry has not ran the football very efficiently this season he has been hit in the backfield a ton and then vice versa the titans were the worst rushing team in the nfl entering yesterday averaging nearly six yards per carry given up six yards per carry given up and the colts ran it i got it right here 23 times yesterday for 38 yards that's supposed to be your bread and butter. That's supposed to be your backbone. And for the umpteenth time in this series, you got out-bullied by Tennessee. And Danico Autry did it to you. Jeffrey Simmons did it to you. And a patched work Tennessee offensive line did it to your heavily invested defensive line. And you've got a quarterback right now that has shown me, Jake, very little to no signs of run it back with Matt Ryan in 2023. If you're going to be bad, no need to do it with a 37 year old quarterback. Be bad with a rookie that is growing. I, uh, know, that, I know that's a b- bigger topic, but that continues to be reinforced, and the ball security issues is an excuse. For well, you're running out of quarterbacks
4: at the garage sale, right? Like, they've gone to the garage sale twice now and, and done okay. Well, one of the. They went to the quarterback garage sale and they got a pretty good quarterback. Um,. For fairly cheap, but they knew that you know it said like, hey, this is only got a few miles left on it, and they said that's okay. And then they went back to the garage sale and they got a quarterback that um, started out fine, and then they realized that they they had to return it, and they said like, hey, we, we we made a bad purchase here, can we return this? And they found somebody else down the street that was willing to buy it. There's they a got garage lucky. sale.
3: There's no returns <laughs> here. <laughs>
4: that's right. They found somebody else to come in and buy it, and then now they went back to the garage sale again, but the table's getting. There are fewer quarterbacks
5: sitting sure. on it, right? Yeah, there are. Um, um, yeah, Band-Aids are running out the garage. Sale. Oh, my parents have plenty of them. Oh, yeah. I forgot uh, that,
4: that is the voice of Kevin Bowen, by the way. It is Kevin Inquiry here. Good morning to you on a Monday morning, 93.51075. 5, the fan, Mark Dykton, who's been here since 2.30 in the morning, putting together audio, is here as well. What's that? I said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, how about this? Hey, Jake, here's a dear John letter to Coach Reich. Dear Coach, we've come a long way the last five years. We tried to work it out, it's just not to be. Trust you, uh, or trust me, Coach, it's not you, it's me. I can no longer tiptoe around you and your preaching image. I get to be free. I believe the Righteous Brothers who said it best, you've lost that coaching feeling. We just don't connect anymore. I'm sure there's another OC opening for you somewhere. You know how that works. It's not that I don't respect you. I just need to start over. Good luck, and I hope you leased and didn't
5: buy. That from Aaron. That was not from me, by the way. That's from Aaron. Aaron sounds like he's written a few of those letters in his day. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Uh There's a lot of validity, I think, within that, and the biggest one is this. Um It's fair to ask the question if Frank Reich's lost the football team. They I mean, sure you don't go... seem
3: to respond until they're down multiple scores.
5: And, and you know, part of me believes this. When, you know, when you get down multiple scores, there's an element of, like, Oh, yeah, you scored 14 points in the fourth quarter of an NBA game when your team's down 25? Oh, you know, in a PJ Tour event when you're 10 shots back, you shot 66 on Sunday? Like, where is the sense of urgency in these monumental divisional games to just be competitive early? They're not competitive early. They get their ass kicked in the first half. And at that point, your margin for error is gone, and we saw it yesterday. You cannot make a single mistake the rest of the way. And what happened? Jonathan Taylor fumbles, and that's the one mistake they pretty much made post-halftime. And Tennessee gifted you something there late in the first half when they had their clock management debacle and couldn't get that field goal off on, on, in time. And all of a sudden, the Taylor fumble, and it's just a reminder of you cannot get down three scores. And we're talking about tennessee jacksonville houston i you know we're not talking about vaunted perennial contending nfl teams
4: kevin here's what is a challenge for the two of us here's what's a challenge for zach Kiefer, bob kravitz steven holder charlie clifford dave calabro here's what's a challenge for colts fans in general when I ask you to describe to me Frank Reich, when I just say, if you're on an airplane and you're flying to Portugal on vacation and you sit down next to a guy who is from Arizona who knows nothing about the Colts and you've got eight hours to talk to him and you get to talking and you say that you cover the Colts and the guy says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of leaders, but I don't follow football much. Tell me about
5: the Colts coach. What do you like about him? What would your answers be? Yeah, I think Frank is one of the top five nicest human beings I've ever come across. Understood. Um, what else? I think he um, he believes a lot. Okay. Believes. No matter what you give him, he believes. Not a guy that makes a lot of excuses. Um, I think as a head football coach, and it's apparent to me in these Colts-Titans matchups, I think you see on the other side of the of, – of the, sideline yesterday more of a CEO type more of a guy that understands the operation a little bit more you're saying he is or his Mike Vrabel is
4: but in terms of Frank Reich what tell me the attributes about him that you find positive as a human
5: being and a coach loyalty um belief you could make the argument Jake that those two are at a fault at times okay but I would say those are the things that I keep on coming back to is just an extreme conviction And who he has around him. Okay, and here's the problem with that. And here's the problem
4: it creates for me, you, Bob Kravitz, Zach Kiefer, Stephen Holder, Charlie Clifford, uh, you know, all of us that cover the team, right? The problem it creates is when you make a list of attributes about Frank Reich as a football coach, no one disputes that he is a fine, fine human being. But when you start to list things about him, Tell me, Mike Vrabel, give me some qualities about Mike Vrabel that you like as a football coach.
5: Again, the CEO part, um, I think he has a great understanding of in-game management, and at the same time, um, the fact that he's not involved directly with calling defensive or offensive plays, Um, he's able to kind of oversee the whole picture and knows what needs to tick offensively, defensively. Uh, They've done a great job down there that no matter the personnel, They seem to be in the mix. Jake, yesterday they had three guys starting defensively who they've signed in the last month. In the last month. And yet, they held you to the worst rushing performance in the Frank Reich era. I think Mike Vrabels instilled the toughness down there that embodies kind of how they've been built, and it's a big reason why they've had the most AFC South success in the last handful of years. He's a
4: facilitator. Okay, here's why... I asked you those two things, not knowing. I mean, we did not set this up. We didn't talk ahead of time, whatever else. When you are listing the attributes to Frank Reich as a head football coach, you go about eight deep before you get to football. He's a great guy. He has strong conviction. He gives good scripture. He has a belief system. He He's a guy that players like as a, as a person. What about somebody that comes up with good strategy? What about somebody that comes up with good game plan? What about somebody that responds from an X's and those standpoint and finds areas to exploit of the opponent because he sees a weakness in the way that they either run the ball or try to stop the run and the way to take advantage of it? In terms of a football execution, it's like 10th on the death chart. And if you have veteran well-gelled together Peyton Manning-level players on the field, you can get away with that with Tony Dungy. But when you have, for the most part, a young roster that is learning to play with one another and your epicenter pieces are a guard who is just coming out of his first contract, a running back who is a young player, a wide receiver who's just emerging and figuring out what it means to be a star, four other wide receivers that everybody in town is still looking for on like a silver alert, then you need a coach that is coming out and saying, here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it, and try to stop us. And you don't have that. You have a coach that is there that is perfect as the CEO of a veteran leadership group that needs little more than somebody to occasionally tug the wheel. And therefore, that's the problem with Frank Reich. He is a wonderful human being, but... When you talk about him as a football coach, football is about the eighth thing on the depth chart of his attributes.
5: And again, if I'm Jim Merce, Jake, I just don't know how you look, how you can ignore these starts in these moments against those football teams. That would be alarming to me. That would be a trend I hear yesterday from players in the locker room. We've been here before. No, you haven't. Last year, Carson Wentz was hurt early in the season trying to gut it out. You were up, what, three scores on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football? The Colts haven't been in those positions this season. Nowhere near that. And this is now a trend. It's starting to build, and it's continuing to be the same song and dance over and over again. Again, in these massive moments for your franchise. Week one drought, the drought in Jacksonville. The fact that your owner goes so public last week in his displeasure with how this series has unfolded. And this is how your football team responds to all of that. If I'm Jim Irsay, how do you not sit here on Monday morning and think, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Well, I think he did because has he tweeted yet? But, like, you know, part of me, Jake, is like, didn't he tweet after the Kansas City game? Is he kind of acting like how that franchise has acted? When everything's going great, we'll be public about it. That's what I mean. But course, when yeah. Bleep hits the fan, it's just a hide. Yeah. It's just a, oh, yeah, everything's good. You know, after the Kansas City game, I'm out in front of the bus and I'm doing this and that. And that, you know, you have all these tweets all week long and then yesterday that unfolds inside your own building and it's, you know, crickets. Again, accountability top down. We talked about this after the Jacksonville game. It starts at the top. And right now that's lacking. You're saying with Ursa or with Ballard? Well, yeah. Ursa, Ballard, and then Reich in that order.
4: I think the Colts are the greatest organization I've seen, collegiately or pro, at controlling the narrative. Always have been. People here buy into everything they say. I think that's waning. Think so? Yeah. People, well, I just love the Colts because they're just good quality kids and character and da da da. And Mr. Ballard, you know, they just, it may be. I I mean, I think you have your finger more on that pulse than do I. But. You know, the number one thing that Jim Irsay should fear. The number one thing that Jim Irsay should fear is fans losing interest, apathy. I, I don't think an NFL owner cares if his teams if, if a team's zero and sixteen, but everybody's bought in. Like you're about to see a shift here. The Pacers give them credit. The Pacers have come out. To, to start this season, and I give the Pacers credit in this regard, and the Pacers have said, listen, folks, we're not going to sugarcoat this. Here's what we're doing. We are starting over. We're starting over, and we're asking that you be patient because we're going to have some really fun times this year. We're going to have some rough times this year, but, but I promise you it's with an intention. And I think for the most part, Kevin, from a fan standpoint, that's all people want is to know there's a plan. And I think there are people – now, it it may get really old if they lose 12 straight or something, but as of right now, there are Pacer fans that are like, hey, you know what? They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're young and they're starting over and they're building, and I'm kind of excited about it. I think it'll be fun to watch them play. I might not be able to watch them play because of the Valley. That's a whole different talk show. But, you know, I I think there are people that – I'm not saying people are lining up to go pack Gamebridge Fieldhouse, but I think that there are people that are like, yeah, I'll follow what they're doing and kind of get on board. Like, this is kind of cool. They're allowing me – to hop on the train before it leaves the station. That's kind of fun. Whereas the Colts standpoint, you're getting to the point, I think, where people are like, hey, can at the next stop, can I just go ahead and hop off? Because I'm getting motion
5: sickness. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Sad way to put it, but I think it's a good way to put it. The injuries to watch in this short week, the Colts will turn around and play. Thursday night in Denver nothing like the 31st ranked scoring offense in the NFL and the 32nd ranked scoring offense in the NFL
4: by the way Thursday and NFL. I know Let's that go! I'm not making light of his injury which we'll get more on and I know people were excited to see Shaquille Leonard out there uh, I thought he looked like he was avoiding contact
5: uh yeah pretty quiet debut um there were certainly plays out there Jake that I felt like he was a non-factor correct um I believe he did I know it was kind of a I mean frankly it was a bloody situation I mean that in all seriousness him walking off the field it did sound like he was in pretty good spirits but um, obviously he's not going to play on Thursday Um, and they said he did drive home after that game Uh, Jonathan Taylor would be the obvious injury to watch Uh, I think Zach Kiefer maybe reported after the game that Colts are fearing that it could be a high ankle sprain for Jonathan Taylor. I thought at some point after the fumble, he still had his helmet on, like he was checking back in the game. So I we'll have to see the severity on that, but certainly in a short week, any injury that is suffered um, comes into the spotlight a little bit more. I think Denver had a couple notable injuries. Javante Williams, their starting running back, got hurt in that game. Very serious knee injury, they said. Yeah, Randy Gregory, the HSC mm-hmm. product, one of their better defenders, then got banged up. So we'll keep an eye on that. Again, a short week. Jeff Saturday going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. We'll do our usual Monday segments following the Colts' loss. Give out our fan tweet of the game. Um, if nothing else,
3: there was a lot of those. Huh? If you can imagine.
5: Yeah, and I would say a, a dose of humor mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> uh, and we'll take our phone calls as well. Three one seven two three nine. 1070. Uh, Here in this opening segment, Jake, uh, shout out to Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers. How about that, man? That was much needed. Uh, You know, Connell did not practice until Thursday, and that's kind of Purdue winning in like an old Big Ten way. You know, wasn't this high flying aerial attack? It was was Devin Mockaby. I hope I'm saying that right. right. Um, From a high school I've never heard of. So I have heard of Boonville because they had a great golfer when I was in high school, Griffin Wood. Is Is it Southern Indiana? like down by Evansville that's what I thought yeah did you see his story he was a great track star in high school and admitted to the Naval Academy and decided to walk on at Purdue and it's worked out so far uh kudos also to Ball State
4: double what a overtime wild win game. over were there, Illinois right? yeah um that's a cool stadium man 15 bucks to get in uh, you know that's a that's a excellent option i think about like when i was 10 years old if my dad would have said hey let's go watch a college football game An hour away uh ball state over northern illinois in mac action and then indiana same old indiana right you can't win at nebraska I, I
5: i'm i'm over the iu football thing jake i'm sitting there on the couch the first play of the game i'm like man that play clock is already like at five four three yeah, two timeout the first play of the game. Oh. Think about how much you've like tra- you've gotten ready for the first play of the game all week long. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking a timeout on the first play of the game at the league. At that point I should have just gone to bed. I wouldn't have had to live through the, you know, twenty one twenty one at one point. And then Nebraska outscores them fourteen nothing. I think all twenty one are in the second quarter for Indiana on Saturday night. Uh, I called a high school football game on Saturday, Jake. That was fifty to three. On Friday, excuse me. A lot of downtime. They, what, did, they did a running clock for the final what game 16 was it? minutes. Brownsburg and Zionsville. Okay. Brownsburg is really good. Is Ballard's son Zionsville or is he... Ballard's son is Westfield. T.Y. Hilton's son is Zionsville. Yeah, so okay. you had a lot of Colts players there on Friday night so
4: at Zionsville.
5: Z- the whole Zionsville team was ghost, right? That, that would be accurate. Okay.
3: Did the Colts let T.Y. Hilton keep that banner? Because that banner is not up anymore. They took that down.
5: Yeah, Jonathan Taylor's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they. that's like the going away present that they give him or. That would
3: actually like. Send a Mayflower truck his way. That would wallpaper your roof. What the hell is right? this?
5: <laughs> uh, Bert wants to know if you have any guesses on the Boonville High School mascot. Uh, Pioneers. Did you look that up? No, is that it? Mm-hmm. Is it really?
4: That's what Burt says. I mean, it's got like Pioneers only sounds like it would be, right? What else could Boonville be? It's got to be the Pioneers. What a start to the week. (laughs) Hell yes.
5: Well, I'm done, boys. (laughs) Have fun the rest of the week.
3: Jake's riding a high right now. Have
5: fun the rest of the week. (laughs) He's Jake Query. I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykedon on the ones and twos. Looks like a very nice start to the week. I think Temps still in the 70s to start this week. A little bit cooler coming up this weekend, but a really nice first full week here of October. Like we said, we'll take your calls 317-239-1070. A whole lot to unpack from yesterday as the Colts fall to 1-2 and 1 on the year. They have lost now four straight to the Tennessee Titans and they are winless in their last four divisional contests. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Aquari, 5, 5, 935-1075 the fan. The Morning Checkdown.
0: Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Stop have you heard this before. The Colts got off to another slow start. I've
4: heard this before.
5: On Sunday, they were down at one point in the game, 24-3. Came back to make it 24-17. Could not complete the comeback as they fall to 1-2-1 on the season. Afterwards, Matt Ryan who continues to have ball security issues on the slow starts.
1: It's tough to put your finger on it. Um, Felt like we had a good plan coming into it. You know, we just haven't been able to get into sync uh, early enough in in, in games throughout the year. And uh, it's something that we have to address and and, and get better at and fix Um, because there are times where it's actually very good. And um, we need to strive for for better consistency, better starts, um, and and just getting into a rhythm earlier.
3: Tough to put your finger on is sounds like his – ball control at the moment
5: nine fumbles five interceptions he's approaching a career high which you know four games into his career you would think that's a good thing 12 fumbles is the most he's ever had in a season he's got nine through four weeks Colts now in a short week Um, I saw Ian Rappaport just mentioned that he does not believe the ankle injury to Jonathan Taylor is serious so kind of conflicting reports I guess there locally and nationally on where Taylor is at but short week no practice and they head to Denver on Wednesday for a Thursday night
3: kick. Well, they got to leave that. Jonathan Taylor might play on Thursday open because they got to have a marquee matchup somewhere. (laughs) You think Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are kind of like, yeah, the bloom is off the rose with this Thursday nighter. Yeah, Amazon's like, God, is this really where we're Um, going? Amazon's not so prime. (laughs) Right after that is Bears' commanders, so get ready, Amazon Prime. Uh, Speaking
4: of commanders, yesterday losing to the Cowboys 25-10 elsewhere around the league. It was Seattle over the Lions. 48-45 48-45 Super Bowl parade in Detroit by Dr. Mottman still on hold. Uh, Giants over the Bears 2012. Jacksonville got out to a big lead over Philly. And then Philly comes back, wins 29-21. So the Eagles now the last unbeaten
5: in professional football. Jets, the only winless team is Houston, right? Because my Raiders finally got off the old.
4: Yeah, Raiders. The pick's
3: looking a little better Derek now.
4: Derek Carr put him on his back yesterday. How about the Jets over the Steelers 24-20? Pittsburgh now 1-3. and three. I mean... They, they, they
5: turned to Kenny Pickett.
4: They did. How'd, it, he, how'd he do? Do you know?
5: I don't think anything worth knowing. He has,
4: he has little hands. Uh, 10 of 13 for 120 yards for Kenny Pickett. How about the London game? Those little hands. Uh, that was the... Uh,
5: not London Bridges falling down, but London field goals bouncing all over the place, right? Double doink from Will Lutz from 61 It's kind of crazy looking at the Colts game yesterday. They don't even attempt a field goal from 57. The 51-yard field goal by Chase McLaughlin, it looked like one of those fans had come out of the stands and tried the field goal. (laughs) Like I'm at that Brownsburg-Zionsville game on Friday night. Get the Brownsburg kicker, Porath, I think is his last name. It's incredible. The Colts play in a rather controlled environment and they can't even sniff a field goal past 50 yards and you go to london and will lutz is hitting it from 60 and almost hitting it from 61 yeah that's fair that's an issue
4: by the way it was the raiders over the broncos 32 23 denver of course next now for the colts on thursday night former
3: colts kicker michael badgley
4: he did all your scoring the
3: squad from the uh from the bears and does all their scoring and the elements in the giant stadium Nothing like 12 points for Michael Badgley on Hell Sunday. Oh yeah, Bears are back. Uh,
5: other college football news, you mentioned Purdue and in Indiana. How about Paul Chris getting fired? Uh, the Wisconsin head coach. They were like, look, man, we're not going to have the fat guy that we once fired come in here and beat us, right? Yeah, Brett Bielema comes into his old stomping grounds. They beat Wisconsin. Paul Chris was 67-26 and 26 in his career. I saw yesterday that they gave him a raise one year ago this week. He probably still had a less expensive buyout than Tom Allen's. $16 right? million, the buyout for Paul I Christ. think that's less than that what Tom less. Allen's would be. That <laughs> yes. is much less. They've promoted Jim Leonard, um, their young defensive coordinator, who I know has been on the radar for a lot. I'm curious to see where Wisconsin goes from here, Jake, in the sense of there's that fine balance you have to walk and like, knowing that you can't recruit at this extraordinarily high level, so playing to... Running the football and being this power team has earned them some success, but also there's a modern element to college football that, like, you probably have to find at some point, too. I mean, is that is he the guy? I don't know who's out there, right? How about the Big Ten West? Everybody has one loss, and then Wisconsin has two. Purdue, though, big
4: one, as you'd mentioned, over Minnesota 2010. Uh, college football over the weekend. Nebraska over Indiana, 35-21. Michigan, a big one over Iowa, 27-14. Uh, elsewhere around the state. We'll give some love to the smaller schools real quick. Alma over Trine, 40-21. I don't know where Alma is, but Trine's in Indiana. Uh, Wabash over Wittenberg. Rose Holman, a winner. So, too, was Franklin. Hanover over Defiance. Manchester, beaten by Mount St. Joseph. DePauw, a winner over Denison. And Indy. Forty-four seventeen over Southwest Baptist.
5: We come back here on Kevin Aquary, Jake and I will give our thoughts on yesterday and kind of where things stand right now. Uh, a quarter into the season for the Colts. We'll continue to take um, your thoughts as well, whether that's on Twitter, KBO and 1070 at Jake Quarry, or via the phone lines, 317 239 1070. Kevin Aquary here on a nice start to this Monday morning.
0: Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and
4: 107.5. The Fan. 20 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Good morning to you on a Monday. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. Colts yesterday losing at home to the t- Tennessee Titans. Kind of the same script that we've seen before. Get down early, start to kind of get some stability going, turnovers costly, Colts lose. They now find themselves with just a single win on the season. Uh, we did this after their debacle in Jacksonville. Figured we would do the same again. Kevin Bowen, in terms of your thoughts on this team, the performance where they are, the floor is yours.
5: Yeah, it's a bad football team in a bad division. Um, and I think you start at the top with Jim Murray right now. And if I am him, I'm thinking to myself, okay. Week 18 last year, playing for a playoff berth, you get down 23 to three to Jacksonville. That simmers for eight months. Week one in Houston. You haven't won a season opening game since 2013. You get down 20 to three to the Texans. You respond to that in week two, you get shut out in Jacksonville, so that's 24 to nothing. And then yesterday, with another AFC South team, this time in your own building, you're down 24-3 to three to a Titans team that is wounded and nowhere near the team that we saw last season. And how do you not sit there and think to myself, what the hell is going on right now in that this is how my football team has responded to these moments? It's not just four divisional games in your last five. Think about what was at stake in Each of those games, each of them had even more at stake than just the fact that you're playing a divisional team. And if you're Ursa, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, the previous regime, which I fired, won 16 straight AFC South games. This regime is getting blown out by teams drafting in the top five, a banged up Tennessee team. And really, frankly, you're just getting outclassed. You look at the 16 quarters of those four games, you've been outclassed and, You know what? Twelve of them, thirteen of them, and how public Ursay was with Tennessee. You know, you you take to Twitter last week, you go on the rant that he did, and you come out, and you're down twenty four to three. That's got to be an embarrassment at a level where it gets Jim Ursa simmering, and I think these are the types of breaking points that potentially gets him to do some things that um, he has not done in his tenure. And I think Jim has to ask himself two questions. The first is the roster building. Because if you look at this football team, and hell, Naeem Hines said it after the game, honestly, I think it's been the offense. The defense has done its job. You remember Jim Irsay's tweet last year in the playoffs about like, you can see it clear as day. You've got to score 30 points. You need a quarterback and an offense who can score 30 or more in regulation. Irsay had that tweet back in January. The Colts have not scored over 20 in a single game this season. Last year, with Carson Wentz, you scored 20 or less four times the entire season. And you've already done it in each of these four games. And then, secondly, you would have to go to Frank Reich. And again, the starts that these football teams continue to get off to that are horrible and putting you in such a major, major hole. So it's... Starts with the roster building, and you go into Chris Ballard and saying, the backbone of your football team, what you believe in, trench play and running the football, that is no strength right now. That would me have me looking at Chris Ballard and saying, you're not getting the job done and what you believe in. I question if that's the right building, but that's what Ballard believes in, and he's not getting it done in that realm. And then secondly, you go to Frank Reich, an offensive-minded head coach, and you look at it and say, we cannot score over 20 points in a league that favors scoring, favors the offense. Um, The Colts have finished now 10th, 7th, and 8th in the AFC the last three years. You're heading into a similar direction. Hell, you're not even at that level this season. Um, Scapegoats so far, Carson Wentz, Rodrigo Blankenship, and Danny Pinter Um, The scapegoats have got to start being at a higher level than this. And on October 3rd, you are a bad football team in a bad division.
4: Kevin, a couple of years ago, McLaren returned to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Fernando Alonso to try to make the Indianapolis 500-mile race. For those that are unfamiliar with what that means, McLaren is a very well-established, high-reputation, international race team of Formula One success and legacy, who's had success in North America as well. Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion. And they came over here with some pomp and circumstance. Alonso had run with Andretti previously for the 500 and done very, very well. So there was a lot of expectation. And it was a total disaster. The McLaren team came over, and for those that are unfamiliar, in IndyCar, you have cars that are set up to run on ovals. Then you have a different aero configuration for cars that are on road and street courses. And Fernando Alonso, who's a mega talent, goes out there and couldn't get the car up to speed at all because the McLaren team, who was really arrogant, they were the smartest guys in the paddock, and they didn't listen to any advice, and they didn't take any pointers from anybody, Uh, until it was too late when they realized that they actually had the Roden street course configuration on the oval car, and it was a total disaster. And that's what this Colts team looks like to me. Chris Ballard's really arrogant. He's the smartest guy in the room, and everybody's tried to tell him that he is setting up a car for Rodin street courses that, in fact, needs to be run on ovals. And whenever anybody tried to point it out to him, he didn't want to listen. He didn't need to listen. He's smarter than you are. And he came up with a football team that, does have some good players. No question about it. They have some good players. Unfortunately, they're players that are set up to drive on road and street courses, and the rest of the NFL is running on ovals. And the construction of this team is flawed. And I think Chris Ballard knows the game of football, and I think that Chris Ballard knows how to put together a team. I just think that he erred in the fashion of team that he decided to accumulate. And they have very good players in the wrong positions. And those players they have that are in the right position, there aren't enough of them. In today's NFL, you got to be able to throw the ball. you got to be able to protect the football, and you have to have a young, mobile, up-and-coming, rising quarterback. And the Colts keep going into the quarterback garage sale every two years and going back into the discount bin and getting – They need to quit shopping at Nordstrom Rack, and eventually they've got to go to Nordstrom. And it's all come to fruition here in what you see. Love Nordstrom Rack, by the way. It is great. What you see now is the following. You have an owner leading up to the game that said he wanted everybody pissed off, intense, and primal. I don't think he was talking to his fans. I think he actually was subconsciously saying that to his players. He was hoping his players would come out that way. But when you look at what Jim Merce was selling fans on leading up to the game, and keep in mind, he did say that his team was going to be all chips in, period. So what do they have to sell us on about the Colts game against the rival Tennessee Titans? Come out to the game and be sure enjoy the fact that Grover Stewart's wings are going to be there. The maniac burger is going to be on display. Even Jim Irsay knows that his team is so bland, so boring, and so underperforming that he's actually got to go to their culinary habits to get people to come to the stadium. And the bottom line is that Jim Irsay wants to talk about everybody being all chips in, and guess what? The fans are. People are spending their hard-earned money. People are sacrificing a beautiful Sunday in a city where we don't know how many of those we have left for the season to go down and watch a football team that comes out and is either too bored or Two undercoached or too not talented in the key areas to come out and show you anything for the first three quarters. So as I'm watching that game yesterday, what I'm thinking to myself is there are a lot of people here that are all chips in, and none of them can affect the outcome of the game. So now you're at a crossroad, if you are Jim Ursae, where your biggest fear is about to come true, and that is you're about to lose your fan base of people that have cashed in and are selling their tickets or giving them away to people to go and do something else. Now, fans are fickle, and if they win, they beat Denver. All of a sudden, Chris Ballard's a genius again, and everybody's back in on board. But for right now, fans deserve better. The city deserves better. And people expect better when they go down what they want to see as a football team, not necessarily that wins every game, but looks and acts like they're prepared to try to do that. And instead, they have a coach that about the eighth thing that you would list about Frank Reich and his attributes would be his coaching prowess. He is a nice guy, no question about it. When you talk about Chris Ballard, about the eighth thing that you would list in terms of Chris Ballard of his attributes would be his ability to build a 2022 roster. And with Jim Irsay, who is a nice, kind-hearted, philanthropic, and fun guy, about the eighth thing that you would list with, with Jim Irsay would be his ability to light a fire on his team and kick their ass to go out and play a game that's worthy of me spending my dollar. And that's where they are. And that's the pickle that they're in. And Jim Irsay, to his credit, has worked very, very hard to not be his father but in doing that, I think that Jim Mercer at times perhaps has crossed over into becoming an owner that is a little bit too interested in being the best friend of everybody and not the guy that people look at and fear the repercussion of not performing to the level that he expects.
5: I think it's really well said. A couple of things that stand out, Jake. I don't think Jim Mercer is used to his franchise being in quarterback NFL purgatory. Correct. I mean, this is the reality of... 80 90 percent of this league and until you find your way out of it you're going to continue to be in this position and his gm clearly doesn't see that either um the other point that i wanted to make off that is jake beating denver to me is not some cure-all it's not some ballard is back to being a genius the nfl has outliers we see it all year long hell the colts performed one last week they got a gift in kansas city but last night you saw who kansas city really is You you look over the last handful of games, we we know who Kansas City is. And if you look over the last handful of games, we know who the Colts are right now. One performance on Thursday night football is not going to change it. You've got to, if you you really want to change the ways, if you really want to get this fan base back, you've got to string together. We're talking multiple month-long run here of consistent 60-minute type of efforts, getting off to better starts in games, doing it against teams that matter, which would be the divisional teams on your schedule. Until you do that, this is, again, a bad football team in a bad division. Last week, you got gifted one by a team that just had the rarest of rare types of performances in Kansas City. That was not the Colts. Oh, man, the Colts are that good. The Colts can be that good. No, no, no. The Colts are a team that continues to get down three scores to every single AFC South team. That's who they are right now. And until you start to put repeatable performances together, this is where you're at as a franchise. I used to think, I'm thinking to myself, boy, they're going to have to trade up a whole lot to draft one of those quarterbacks. If these types of efforts keep up, they're not going to have to trade up any, Jake. They're going to be sitting right there in position to draft one of those quarterbacks. My buddy yesterday, Matt Jacklin, sent me a
4: text that said, that tie is going to cost the Colts a top three pick. (laughs)
3: And you're talking about fan bases like becoming you know, checked out or whatever. I mean, they said the game was sold out. I was at the game. There was a lot of empty seats. So people might have purchased tickets, but they didn't show up.
5: Yeah, they love to throw out the number of tickets distributed. Mm-hmm. That's not what's uh, hey, in the seat. That was there the realest stuff
4: right I've there. ever heard you say. It really does seem like the only one that are all chips in are the fans who can't affect the outcome of the game. Yeah, don't don't ask the fans to affect the outcome if the team goes out and just rolls over.
5: And you know, that's where I made the Ursay comment earlier, Jake. No accountability from top down. He's fine doing the the fun video after the Chiefs game. But now when his franchise has gotten slapped in the face again in his own building, there's nothing post game. Right. Nothing. Let's start with Paul. Let's get Paul on the line here. Paul, good morning.
6: Good morning, fellas. Real fast, um, I'm I'm just so sick of the team starting like this free freaking week. Um, I don't know, and this goes back to last year. Um, and, Derek, I will do you one better. You said they've not scored 20 points, more than 20 points all, all season long. They averaged 14 points a game. All I heard about all season was, He's up-tempo, he's up-tempo, he's up-tempo. Why don't the Colts go out there and start the game no huddle? Because when they do that in the game, actually, they do move the ball. And sometimes they score. I don't understand what the Colts have gotten themselves into with this old quarterback carousel. When you go out there and you see Marcus Mariota doing it with lesser talent, Geno Smith doing it with lesser talent. The Colts have all this talent on offense, supposedly, and we can't score more than 20 points in a game. And it's very frustrating as a true Blue fan, and I'm getting fed up with how Frank Wright and Chris Ballard comes out after these games and says, we're almost there. Let me, hey, Paul, weeks. quick
4: question, do, and I don't mean this kind of similarly,
5: because I'm And I am big, a big fan of Derek, so thank you, Paul, for the, <laughs> for, for the compliment. Paul, do you have Colts season tickets?
6: I used to. I gave, I gave them up a long time ago. Okay. I used to have season tickets, but I was close to go to the last two games, and I've been very frustrated. And I won't go until they show me that they're on the right track. And I'm this is as a true fan. This is very very frustrating.
4: I get it. I appreciate the call, Paul. I get it. And again, I the problem is people aren't gonna give up their tickets i mean we know that right people aren't going to give up their tickets their season tickets i'm saying and until they do i you know
5: colin says this uh i as of most fans colts fans cannot wait for october 31st to see what happens if they get a loss on october 30th i believe heads will roll at west 56 jake we've talked about this a little bit here to start the season what would get jim mercy to do something of that sort of magnitude um Yesterday, I think, was a step in his embarrassment meter that has to have him boiling because, again, he went public last week. He went private last year in the Colts-Titans matchups. and We talked about it, it was key for last week in undressing his coaching staff in a scouting department and how inexcus- inexcusable it was to continually lose to Tennessee. Well, that happened again yesterday. It happened in your own building. Now you look at the other games on the schedule. Jacksonville is your next home game, and then Washington with Carson Wentz. And Colin is referring to that Washington game on October 30th. Those are the dates that I've kind of always had circled of if this continues and those performances happen in your own building, and as Mark Dykton said, those empty seats continue to grow, that's where I think Ursay could do something. How much do they have under the cap? Uh, for some reason, like 12 ish million is standing out. I would have to double check and look that up. So they haven't spent every dollar they needed to spend.
4: Correct. But they want you to. Yeah.
5: Preach. That's spot on.
4: You know, I mean, they they ain't discounting the tickets, are
3: they? Not yet. Secondary market, maybe secondary like market, definitely.
5: We'll continue to take your phone calls. Again, 317-239-1070. We'll look at our fan tweet of the game. Jeff Saturday is going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. And uh, I think it was, speaking of spending, there was one guy that they didn't want to spend on, and uh, he certainly had his way with the Colts yesterday. We'll hit on that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Kevin Aquari right here on a Monday. Still close, Kevin. I
4: just you know a couple of plays here there where you know we're right there the the gap is not hey to be fair they are
5: close to the top of the division <laughs> they are half game back right I don't know the whole tie always
3: confuses me math wise we're probably gonna have to sift through that each week here we've got our algebra whiz here now mm-hmm. yeah, okay. yeah Jake's we'll be, on the on the we'll uh, be has,
4: on that the fractions um fractions are now slopes the the slope going down to the right that means it's a negative yesterday was a negative oh
5: that's kind of how the colts start games <laughs> that too right yeah very fitting
4: uh good morning to you on a monday the colts losing yesterday to the tennessee titans we're talking about it here kevin and i each kind of which i anticipate will do coming up again in about 20 minutes give our um kind of breakdown or observations of what we've seen frustration for sure and i know and and i said it again kevin We are in a unique situation and the fact that this is how I look at it. I was such a fan growing up of so many different teams. And when I would watch games where the team did not perform, I took it personally. I felt slighted. Like I was so disappointed and upset. I just wanted to be able to say to that team, like, how could you have done this? Or television, frankly. And I do feel like we have a responsibility, it's a privilege, but we have a responsibility with the access to this microphone to try to speak for those fans out there that were yelling at their television and are afraid the team is not going to hear them. I think it's our job to just kind of open that forum to um, to let people know that are PO'd, that that's what the feeling is, that's what the sentiment is. And you don't care about the, the discounted food or the roof being open. You want to see a football team. You want to see a football team that you feel like the owner, the general manager, and I know that those guys, I listen, I don't dispute that Chris Ballard wants to win football games. I don't dispute that Jim Ursay wants to win football games. But I've said before about Irsay, who I like a great deal, but Jim Ursay, the reality is the, the music caravan and the Jack Kerouac scroll and the getting on stage with Millsy from REM and all that, that is all wonderfully fun Stuff And I think people enjoy seeing all of the memorabilia on the stage. And I give him credit for sharing that with people. But at the same time, when you are winning football games, that is a colorful philanthropic owner that everybody loves that is sharing his wealth. And when you are going out and laying a complete turd with only 80% of your payroll being used, then that is a guy that is just basking in his own glory and laughing at everybody else that their chips are in and he's collecting them.
5: Yeah, in a way, Jake, I mean, Jim Mersey told us what the standard was with those contract extensions last offseason. When you make a commitment like that financially to your head coach and GM, what you're saying is those two guys are right up there with any in the NFL. Anybody. Buffalo's duo, Kansas City's duo, Green Bay's duo, whoever else you want to throw into that mix. I guess it looks like Philly right now. So he creates the standard, the financial commitment says everything. And so the fans should have no issue whatsoever in sitting here and wanting and thinking that this football team should live up to such a standard. And the fact that they aren't even sniffing that right now, I think is where you have such frustration is you were kind of promised something. It was told that Carson Wentz was such the issue. And in reality, He's just a scapegoat, and Matt Ryan right now, from a ball security standpoint, has been a major problem for your football team. Major problem for your football team. And as I said, open it up, nothing that I've seen from Matt Ryan right now thinks that the Colts should run it back. Why why go Band-Aid when you're going to be bad? If you're going to go Band-Aid, you better be good, because you're stunning the growth of your franchise. You're keeping out a young developmental quarterback out of control precious opportunities to play the game of football learn and develop and instead you're just going with band-aids and at the end of the day what happened with band-aids or what happens with band-aids they just fall off and the scab continues to be there and that's exactly where the Colts are right now at quarterback
4: do you typically let them go the length of falling off or do you eventually just get tired of it and rip it
5: well i got a flu shot last week i totally forgot i had it on and then rosie noticed it and was freaking out about my boo-boo <laughs> <laughs> uh, and has yep. asked me every day since how my boo-boo's doing is your arm sore uh it was fine for me i was uh, a little so i got mine f- friday yeah you got a before. lot didn't i we don't need to get into
3: maybe your medical oh i'm radioactive yeah are you good oh i'm good buddy. do you get wi-fi we'd like to get some wi-fi <laughs> Uh, let's oh. give out. Should we give out our goat of <laughs> the a week? Hot spot,
5: Mark. Yes, we need it. We will do this every week following the NFL weekend and Colts games. Our goat of the week can go one of two ways. Obviously, goat can be in all caps or lowercase goat. Uh, I will go
3: first here. Oh, hold on a second, we got a little opener for it. <laughs>
7: the Why is
8: there,
3: there a peacock in there? There should be. i just going to make it. Stop with the farm animals. That's what somebody said. I was like, no, sir. No. So which goat are you going with?
5: Honestly, I thought the best player on the football field yesterday. So this
3: would be the all caps goat
5: was a man that Chris Bauer decided was not worthy of a sweeter contract in free agency. And that would be Danico Autry. Two sacks, three quarterback hits. <laughs> A forced fumble, Jake. He whipped Quint Nelson on one of those early in the game. Not big Q, generational. getting guys remind me of Hannah out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, this is something that when Autry walked in for agency a couple years ago, I thought to myself, this is where Chris Bauer has made a few of these moves where I don't understand them from Ballard's point of view. What are the positions Ballard believes in? Correct. I mean, in the trenches, right? Trenches. yeah. And Danico Autry, in a way, he's kind of one of their own. They signed him in 2018. He grew into this player here. He's an undrafted free agent. You know, this is where he really made his mark. He's durable. He's versatile. And I have said this quite often about the Colts in the past year. The Colts don't have enough Autrys. They don't have enough guys that have a little bit of a dog in them. A little bit of a... You know, there might be a a screw or two loose. And he brings a mentality and intensity that I think is vital for any football team. And what he did to Quentin Nelson early in that game, that to me was a huge play and kind of setting the tone, making his presence felt. Again, poor ball security, again, from Matt Ryan there. Uh, And I just found it fitting yesterday that you had Danico Autry, again, a player that plays a position that Chris Bauer believes in, You sat there in free agency. You realized Tennessee was going to offer a little bit sweeter of a deal and said, nope, we'll let him go to the division rival, and you see what's happened to him. And I think this, too. Defensive linemen, especially interior guys, they can still play into their prime, late 20s, into their 30s. Autry is showing that, and I found it very fitting yesterday he did that in his old home. (laughs) You know,
4: there are guys that have played for the Colts at the quarterback position that people forget we ever here. Mark Rippon was a quarterback for the Colts. Uh, Craig Erickson was a quarterback for the Colts. Don Makowski was a quarterback for the Colts. And I wonder if 20 years from now somebody's not going to look back and go, Matt Ryan was a quarterback for the Colts? That's the danger the culture getting into here with doing this every two years, resetting the table with a veteran quarterback. And Chris Ballard kind of fell into Matt Ryan at the last minute. Uh, Ryan, yesterday, from a passing standpoint, sure, fine. 27 to 37 for 356 and two touches. But he's also my goat of the week. And by that, I mean the not greatest of all time, but goat like he's the goat, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you, that kind of goat. Thank right you. on cue. Um, Two fumbles, lost one of them, a pick. Look, there are teams that are good enough to get away with the basic errors and overcome them. This isn't one of them. This isn't one of them. And the Colts are flawed in many areas, but they are flawed. And maybe it is true. Maybe it's true that they're really close. Maybe they are really close. But if they are really close, it means... First and foremost, they've got to take care of themselves. You know, we all have that friend that you're like, look, man, it it gets to a point where I'd love to help you out, but, like, you're not willing to help yourself. So there's only so much I can do. And in the Colts' standpoint, when you're turning the ball over three times, then it's kind of hard, no matter what they want to do in terms of their construction, they're not helping themselves. And Matt Ryan, whether it's the offensive line that's causing him to run for his life or... I don't know if like if he's Kenny Pickett with little hands. I, I don't know what it is, but if you can't hold on to the football, you're in trouble. And they're not holding on to the football. Matt Ryan yesterday was a go for it.
5: Yeah, when you've lacked <laughs> some support around him, it's going to be exposed, and I think we've seen that here. The ball secu- I, I just – it's incredible. You're putting your defense in some awful situations. We saw it yesterday. Having to defend those short fields – um, yes, the defense was really poor against the run yesterday, but you still put them in some terrible situations with turning the football over. All right, let's hit up some phone lines. Let's start with Moody. Is that right, Mark? That's
3: right.
5: Moody. Good Monday morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, guys. This is David Moody. Hey, um, my question
6: is, what would Robert Ursay do right now? You guys would think the uh late mate Robert, <laughs>
4: Robert Ursay would do right now. Jim uh Jim's father.
5: Uh, Bubba Ventrone would have been coaching this team in week three. <laughs> maybe he needs to start acting like his father. And quit David, his your laugh
9: sounded
4: like the goat there. Can I you do that again?
9: That... <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> the zoo needs to hire you. Uh, but seriously,
4: maybe he needs to quit acting like he needs to get friends and start acting like a boss. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what, David, listen, I, I could not agree more. I I. I think, and listen, I like Jim Merce a lot. I do. And he's been a, he's a, he is a good guy. But as a, from an owner standpoint. sound like me talking about Reich. From an owner standpoint, there are times where you got to, and I know that he's done it probably. And I go back to when Jim Merce sent the tweet telling fans pissed off, intense, primal. That wasn't what he was expecting from you fans. That was what he was subconsciously telling his team he was going to be if they didn't win this game. And I do think that, you know, being the fun-loving guitar-strumming, gallivanting around, vagabond, pop culture icon that he aspires to be, that's all well and good, and that fun-natured persona about him. And I think that so much of that is trying not to be the, the character that his father became. But he also needs it. So, in other words, he doesn't need to go into the locker room and fire guys at the half. But the the, the buddy up, friendly, constantly being there for guy, it is afraid. Of, it is okay every once in a while to kind
5: of put a foot where it needs to go, right? Carson Wentz, Rodrigo Blankenship, Danny Pinter. Who's next on the scapegoat list? Could it be Mister
3: Gilmore? Wouldn't be him, would it? You think it was Gilmore? Do you think I think he was probably, Ursay was probably, you know, divvying up a Maniac burger or maybe Grover Stewart's kitchen sink wings and he thought,
8: This one for Mr.
4: Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Is it a position coach?
4: Chris Strausser on the O-line? Probably.
5: Kurt asks, When will we hear from Chris Ballard? I, I could be wrong on this. Maybe Matt Taylor can clarify. Tonight, Colts Roundtable Live at 6 o'clock. Uh, usually Frank Reich joins that show for about six or seven minutes with matt taylor i thought on the weeks of thursday night games the gm usually slid into that chair i think in the grigson era and ballard did this for a while that the gm would hop on that show at every quarter point of the season so after the first four games what's what's he gonna say you would get um, i i do think obviously it's a cult production matt taylor does a really nice job of asking fan questions on that show so you would like to think that He'd be asked some questions, and that's a loaded question. Obviously, how he would respond to that. Um, you know, I had somebody say- yesterday. I was at the gym
4: last night, and I was talking to a guy in the gym, and he did not see the game. He, this guy's a Bears fan, admittedly, but but and I, Poor I said, "bastard." And I
5: said, "Was that a humble brag?" You mentioning that you were at the gym on Sunday night?
4: No, trust me, I'm struggling, man. I've gained like 20 pounds. Um, I said. I go, Cruz, you're a Bears fan, right? And he goes, yeah, I mean, I'm, but I, I like the Colts, too. You know, I mean, I, I live here. And I said, okay. And I said, well, what? he goes, but they did they win today? And I said, no, they lost. And he said, you know, their their GM just seems really arrogant. I said, you really think so? And he goes, yeah. Whenever I see him in interviews, he just seems arrogant. It's hard to root for him. And that's just like a fan, right? I don't know that. I mean, I don't think Ballard's a bad dude. But I do think that he comes off like the smartest guy in the room, which is good when you are winning like executive of the year or something. But when
5: things go south, people are going to turn. Jake, I'll go back to something Bowd related I said last segment. I and, and I think I speak for you too. disagree with how he has built things. His approach is not in a modern day 2022 NFL sense in my mind. But I think the more alarming thing if I'm Jim Irsay is, what does Chris Ballard believe in? He believes in the offensive and defensive lines. He believes in running the football and stopping the run. Right now, that backbone is gone. Absolutely gone. Non-existent for your football team. It's been an issue in every single game this season to some degree. Yesterday, beyond apparent in that you're facing the worst rushing defense in the NFL, and you average less than two yards per carry, your defense, which is supposed to be a strong suit as a run defense, and it allows Derrick Henry to get to a level that Derrick Henry hasn't reached in quite some time either. Uh, That would be even more alarming if I'm Jim Irsay, because that gets away from approach blueprint building That is exactly what this GM believes in. This GM believes in the trenches, and right now, that area is hurting this football team. That's where you start to get to, whoa, this guy's invested all that into those areas he considers strengths, and the return on investment has been this? That, to me, would awaken my eyes if I'm Jim
4: Mercer. 239-1070 is a telephone number. Who should we go with next, Mark?
3: Uh, Let's go with Nick what's up nick
0: morning guys how you doing
3: hey nick good to hear from you
0: hey how you doing um you know you guys are making some paramount points here from your competency comparison between reich and Brable, uh uh J- jake control of the narrative on the money my man you know it reminds me of like the dark Knight rises how you know jim ursay is selling his fans hope he's not selling a football team he's selling him hope because it has them continue to clamor for more and more, as long as they go to the games. I mean, and Mark, you said you went to the game, as did I. As I'm walking up Capitol, walking back to my car, it was like something out of out of The Walking Dead. I mean, the muttering, the apathy. Guys, apathy struck. I mean, you you would think, yeah, it's easy to sit at home all day and commiserate, but apathy is struck.
4: You know the other thing, because- Nick, that I, that I notice about that? Yesterday, going to the game, I watched people walking into the game on Capitol, When you, Nick, I want you to, we're going to play a game here. We're going to, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but go back to when you were walking out of Capitol and the the fans you were walking out with, okay? When you look around and two out of every three fans are wearing a jersey, what jersey are they wearing? Nelson, Taylor. Maybe some Leonard's, right? Uh, not, you know what? Not so much. Okay. That's not why I was walking. You you know, you know, the other jerseys you see more than any other Hilton, Manning, luck. There you go. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, players that aren't here anymore, quite frankly. And I get that part of that's just the rotation of, of rosters, but, um, but the, the jerseys they do have are jerseys. And I keep banging this point and I, and I apologize, Nick, for sounding like a broken record. But they're jerseys of players that are not as necessary in 2022. I, I just hate saying that, but it's the reality. You go to any other team and you walk around and you look at the, the who are the star players. It's guys that are in open space, flat out making plays. Taylor can be that guy, don't get me wrong. But you got to get him through the tackles
5: first. Yeah, I go back to the Say tweet, Jake, in January. The final eight playoff teams have proven that you need a quarterback and an offense that can score 30 in regulation colts haven't scored more than 20 in a single game this season and hell they had one of those go to overtime you know how hard that is in today's nfl not to get over 20 points in a league that favors scoring favors the offense andre welcome to kevin aquare well guys i'm a
9: longtime listener i live in uh, texas now but i'm on uh, every week but uh, i just want to talk about the offensive line again really quick uh, I thought, you know, Jack Doyle retiring really exposed some flaws in the offensive line. I thought, you know, he's the best talking tight end in the league. And then, you know, letting Mark Lewinsky walk with an offensive line that was really jailed. So,
5: All right, we lost you a little bit there, but really good point on Jack Doyle, Kevin. Appreciate you listening, Andre, from Texas. That, uh, That's what, hour behind us? If not, if not two. It's not following the Jake Quarry sleeping pattern here in <laughs> tuning in. Yeah, Jack, clearly a loss. Um, I would say part of the offensive line issues there is you just kind of handed Matt Pryor the starting job. You handed Danny Pinter the starting job. I didn't think there was real, real competition. Definitely, we didn't see it in training camp. Those two guys held their starting positions for the first 10 or 12 days with no rotation whatsoever. Um, you know, again, on the list of issues – This individual player is nowhere near the top of the list. But, Jake, from that press box view yesterday, there were some creases for Jonathan Taylor. And I just don't know if he is lacking a little confidence, banged banged up. You know, the toe injury coming into the week, obviously injured his ankle ankle yesterday. Uh, By no means am I acting like the run blocking was adequate yesterday. It was not. But there were definitely some moments where uh, there were creases, and yet you just weren't able to find them. Not using Naeem Hines much either. His first touch comes with four minutes to go in the third quarter. Incredible. Is Thursday night going to be the Philip Lindsay revenge game?
3: <laughs> if not, Naeem Hines, right? Boy, tune in for that one if that's the storyline heading in.
5: Uh, Ray, you've been hanging on for quite a while. What's up, Ray?
8: Hey, guys. How you doing this morning?
5: Good. How about yourself?
8: Uh, I'm frustrated, so I appreciate you guys giving me uh, your time to vent real fast. You bet. Um, I've been listening all morning, and everything you guys have been saying has been spot on, from Jake saying that top down to Kevin, I mean, basically saying our GM lives in the 1980s compared to 2022. Um, I was at the last two games, and it's so frustrating to see this team look so vanilla on offense uh yeah the defense came out yesterday and didn't play that well in the first half but second half we gave up zero points and the offense still could not help the defense it's so frustrating because I spend time to go to the game I find a sitter for my kids you know I'm taking time out of my Sunday and it seems like no one cares I'm not saying the players don't because I mean they're playing but we have Matt Pryor getting beat constantly. We have, you know, you know, Quentin Nelson or Jack Hanna getting beat
2: by John, John Hanna. Ja- Jack John Hanna is Mark. The- <laughs> He's the zoo guy.
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally acceptable mistake there, Ray, with how yeah. the sounds go. But,
8: yeah. But, yeah, I just want to say that, like, I appreciate you guys for giving us this time to just vent because it's so frustrating as a fan. You know, we, it
4: shouldn't be like this, but it is. Ray, bottom line, you were all chips in. You got the babysitter, you went down, you paid to park, you walked in, probably tried the Maniac burger, et cetera. You were all chips in. And all you ask is that a team that came in well under the salary cap
5: is the same. To Ray's point about the offense, Jake, it's they aren't producing, but they also can't get out of its own way. I mean, think about Tennessee's early touchdowns they had yesterday. The first drive began on the Colts 32-yard line. Why? Matt Ryan strip sack. Their touchdown in the second quarter began on the Colts 28-yard line. Why? A Matt Ryan interception. It's not like you're punting the ball. It's not like you're going three and out and then kicking it in field position is still in your favor. You're turning the ball over at an alarming rate, and that was supposed to be something that was not going to be here with a 15-year veteran. At quarterback, and again, it's there are other areas around Ryan that is not supporting him. So I don't want to act like it's me totally blaming Matt Ryan, but I'll reiterate what I've said all show long. Nothing that I've seen from Matt Ryan right now would make me sit here on October third and say, "Bring him back for 2023." I want to see this show again.
4: Uh, time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown.
0: Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: So, obviously, yesterday, the Colts were the big story here locally in the NFL. But before we get it to Kevin to break down a little bit of what was said afterwards, a couple of other notable games from yesterday. It was the Vikings over the Saints 28-25 in London. That because New Orleans missing, narrowly missing, a 61-yard field goal after the game. They no, said, you know, no we're, really we're really
3: close. We're really close. in London. You're not going to do an accent? Mark, why would you even I'm ask? I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that's twice now. I'm surprised. Uh, I couldn't believe the, the fellow, he,
4: he almost hit that field goal. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for – I, I had forgotten that character, Mark. Mark you know how many more saying? London
3: games there are this year <laughs> there's that there's now all of a sudden he's just going to queue uh, that up? I'm going to do oh, all the scores. Well, there's gonna... one in Germany, isn't there? Uh, so he's got to work on a German action. Packers, oh, um. my Giants. this weekend. What was that? <laughs> we were playing
4: in <laughs> NBA, NBA on Sega in 1994, and my buddy Mike Hillary was playing with Detlef Schrempf. Yeah. <laughs> and that game featured injuries, <laughs> and Detlef Schrempf got injured, and my buddy Hillary went, Ugh, my ankling. And to this day, whenever anybody mentions Detlef Schrempf, I say, Ugh, my neckline. And Nobody actually, mentioned Detlef Schrempf. Mark, I, see where you, you mentioned German This accents. is all you, Mark. You mentioned German
3: accents. I don't think I mentioned Detlef
4: See how uh, uh, over the line is 48-45. Uh, oh, my God.
5: <laughs> sorry.
4: Eagles over the Jags, 29-21. How does Mark Dykden full <laughs> blame on that? You ask, and of course I'm, you're
5: going to receive. Been up since four. College football <laughs> from this past weekend. Great win for Purdue over Minnesota 20-10. For, for British uh Jeff Brom said afterwards one of the prouder moments he's had at Purdue as head coach and that Big Ten West who is your favorite right now in the Big Ten West boy everybody with one loss and Wisconsin just fired their coach and they have two losses I I mean Purdue beating Minnesota could be big from a tiebreak standpoint right is Purdue at Illinois in November going to be the game of the year in the Big Ten West how about Illinois man how about Brett Bielema you ever seen his wife by the way uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah, she'll Yeah, she make Colts fans feel better today. He did well for himself. <laughs> uh, IU loses to Nebraska 35-21. They scored 21 points in the second quarter, and that was it. <laughs> that was such a bad—I mean, I think at the midway point of the third quarter, Big Ten Network flashes up the graphic. The most penalties combined in a Big Ten game this season. It was like six minutes to go in the third
4: quarter. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to declare it. Okay? I've hinted about it. I've insinuated it, but I, and people are going to kill me for it. John Easter is going to absolutely have me on a voodoo doll. But I'm going to say it right now. On October, what are we at? Second? Third. Third. Of 2022. He's a heck of a nice guy, and he's been – I don't know him well, but he's been really good to people that I know uh, – that I knew very well. He's a heck of a nice guy. Tom Allen ain't it. Oh, no. Tom Allen ain't it. But Indiana, because Indiana does what Indiana does, got all happy and giddy and excited over an anomaly year and went ahead and gave a boatload of money, and now they're right back where they've been with other people. He is Tom Cream without the fizzy drink. Tom Allen ain't it.
5: Yeah, it's the state of the program when you view Tom Allen in that COVID year and think Lord and Savior. Yep. <laughs> hate saying it, but it's true, right? Uh, Colts yesterday. Uh, Frank Reich afterwards on the poorest run game, the worst rushing effort in the Frank Reich era of 1.7 yards per carry. That is against the league's worst rushing defense.
1: Yeah, I, I, the run game's got to get better. The run game's got to get better. It's it's just it's hard to know. I mean, you know the way we the way we do things, the way we the way we scheme it, the way we block it. Um, we've had a process in place for five years that has been very productive. You know, we're always tweaking it and trying to get little things, but we're, we're not getting the production Zach, as we said. So as players and coaches, we got to, we got to figure that out.
5: Buddy mine just texted me, Jake, uh, do feel like Jacoby was the king of just taking a sack. Um, but at least he held on to the football. Like right now, Matt Ryan, every time he gets hit, I'm like, why is, is the ball on the ground again? Like I get it, getting hit is you know part of playing quarterback, and obviously it's happened at a very alarming rate right now than what you thought. But it's you just cannot be putting the ball on the turf as many times as they have. You're putting your defense in awful situations, and you're giving hope to opposing teams. Like it's not like Tennessee, some potent offense by any means. But yet you're creating these short fields, and they punch
3: them in, and boom. The heck was that? It was Matt Ryan losing the football again? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: okay. Um, when we come back, Kevin, shrimp on fire from three. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, England. Uh When we come back, I want to each give our own take again on yesterday, including one thing that just hit my eardrum there, uh, that is giving me an earache. Pardon the Cheech and Chong reference, but that sound, an, that an earache, just my went? eye. No, something Frank Reich just said that I'm now. I have a headache from beating my head into the desk. So we'll get to that next.
5: Now, you are cracking
4: up there. <laughs> I told you. I just heard something that gave me an earache.
6: <laughs> Kevin,
3: Mark Dighton was over. right, Kevin's, on, Kevin's right on it. <laughs> way over his head. Way over. Good
5: Monday morning to you. It looks like a beautiful start to this week. This week looks really nice. 70s all week long, and then going to get a little bit cooler this weekend. We'll continue to take some phone calls and reaction from yesterday's. the Colts lose Uh, First time in Titans franchise history, Jake. They've beaten the Colts four straight times. Really? Five of six. Mike Vrabel has won over Frank Reich in this matchup. Uh, We touched on a little bit earlier, Jake, but kind of your thoughts on where things stand right now, Colts-related, following the 1-2-1 start to
4: the season. I'll try to give it more abbreviated than I did earlier for time's sake, and I know other people want to chime in, but – the analogy I gave earlier Kevin was that when McLaren came here for the Indianapolis 500 this with Fernando Alonso's second attempt and they were very arrogant and they just couldn't get the car up to speed at all and everybody's like what is going on and people kind of tried to offer some advice and they're like no 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 we got the, like we know what we're doing and then later it came out that McLaren brought a road and street course configured car to try to run the oval of the Indianapolis 500. They had the best talent in Fernando Alonso. They had good people. They have a rich heritage team, but they didn't listen to anybody that was trying to tell them what was wrong, and they had their car completely misconfigured for the wrong way, for the wrong racing, and they didn't make the 500. And I feel like Chris Ballard has done that with the Colts. The rest of the league is running ovals, and the Colts are trying to win with a car for road and street courses. And the Colts have been adamant about the way that they're trying to do things. And it just hasn't worked. Chris Ballard's the smartest guy in the room, hasn't listened to anybody. The way that this team is built, they have good players. They do. But they have good players in areas that are good for road and street course racing, and the rest of the league is running on ovals. And what makes my ear hurt is when I hear Frank Reich talk about how they had to get Jonathan Taylor going because they need to run the football. No, no, no. You don't need to run the football. You need to pass the ball. That's what everybody in the NFL is doing now. You need playmakers. You need to get guys in open space. But they've gone out – to the garage sale for the third straight year to get themselves a quarterback at Nordstrom Rack instead of Nordstrom. And Matt Ryan now, while he had good numbers through the air yesterday, he still can't hold on to the football because they can't protect him. They've got an offensive line that is set up to try to free a running back who now is dinged up. So what happens? Everything comes to a grinding halt. And you have an owner in Jim Irsay where it starts there because Jim Irsay sent out all week – that he wants fans pissed off, intense, primal. No, that's actually what he is saying to his players he is going to be if they don't win. And everything is smoke and mirrors right now with this franchise. Everything. Everything is smoke and mirrors, and the general manager talking about how they've got like a generational talent at guard and how they they are – building the right way through the draft of players with character and saving themselves cap space, and it's all going to work out. Everything's smoke and mirrors in terms of the head coach, who is a really nice guy, but you got to go about nine things down before you find an attribute that is involving X's and O's, coaching and setting up a team to win games. And everything is smoke and mirrors in terms of the owner, who is going around and flaunting – his excess of wealth to people which is wonderful because it allows and he's a nice guy and it allows people to enjoy the fruits of not necessarily his labor but the labor of other people that make him a lot of money and that's all well and good except for the fact that when it comes down to it you ask your you, you tell your fans that you're all chips in And the only people that are all chips in in that stadium yesterday are the people who paid for babysitters, parking, transportation, tickets, beer and vendor sales and everything else. And then went out and watched a football team that is ill constructed, has no fire within them, doesn't play primal and an owner who is sitting back and just cashing in on the fact that the only people all chips in are the people that pay money to watch a mediocre product. And that's where they are right now. And they are in danger from the optic standpoint of losing the fan base because across the street the Pacers at least have the common sense to say to people, you know what, we're not going to be very good this year. And we ask your patience, and we ask that you enjoy the ride because the roller coaster is just now starting to pull out. So we ask that you buckle in and ride along with us. And at least that approach has people intrigued. Now, that's not to say in January if they're 10 and 35, people are still going to be on board but it's better than smoke and mirrors of telling people that you're putting the best effort out there and then going out and laying a complete turd against a divisional opponent that you need to beat, that your owner says that you're all chips in against, and finding yourselves in utter futility in the National Football League where ambivalence comes really, really quickly if you don't look around the corner too far. Yeah, I think
5: that's extremely well said, Jake. Um, I think if you're Jim Mercer you sit down today and you ask yourself year six of the GM that I called the greatest GM hire of the 21st century year five of a head coach that I listened to Bill Polian, and Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy, whoever else in that recommendation. And you're right now in a state where in the last four divisional games you've played, you've been down 17 points to Houston in week one. 24 points in shutout in week two to Jacksonville, 21 points yesterday to Tennessee, and in week 18 last year in Jacksonville, while only thing Jacks players could think about was where they were going to go for their offseason vacation with the playoff berth on the line, you were down 23 to 3 in that game. Is that the standard? Is that acceptable for your franchise right now? A division that you have thoroughly dominated since its existence in 2002. You now are just another team in a bad division. And thank the Lord the AFC South is absolutely awful because you're going to be in the mix all year long because no one's running away with this thing. But you've got to ask yourself, in year six of Ballard, in year five of Reich, is this acceptable? Getting run off the field more often than not against these divisional opponents. And yesterday, we saw it at home. This is how you're reacting to these moments that are, for this era, some dark moments for this franchise. Some really dark moments for this franchise right now. And that we're not used to them looking like this, particularly against AFC South teams. And yet, you gave them that extension year six for Ballard, year five for Reich. And this is where you're at right now. You know what's interesting? Leader in passes completed,
4: Drew Brees. Leader in pass attempts, Drew Brees. Leader in passing touchdowns, Andrew Luck. Leader in passer rating, Tony Romo. Leader in longest pass of the year, Ben Roethlisberger. You know what those all are? Those are all of the NFL leaders in the last year that the Colts won the AFC South. The Colts last won the AFC South in a year where all of the statistical leaders in the NFL are now retired. That's how long it's been. The AFC South, you got the, – the Colts have gotten fat for years on a division that's always had basically in their peak expansion franchises that are trying to find their way. This is not – the AFC South, I mean, you, Jacksonville has been a vaudeville act for like 15 years. Houston can't get out of their own way. Houston finally finds a quarterback that massage parlors himself out into Cleveland, right?
3: I mean, seriously, it's a comedy of errors. Well, we talked about last week that we asked Tron Davenport, are the Titans regressing? And I feel like the Colts are the ones that are regressing. You've and, and, and again, back into the division that you
4: owned for years. That's all well and good, except for that don't sit here and sell me smoke and mirrors and tell me I'm the one that doesn't know what I'm talking about. That's my only thing. Like, don't tell your fan base, we, we have a plan and we know what we're doing and we don't need outs. Don't tell me you don't need whiteouts when you go out there and you can't move the football. Don't tell me that... that, that you are good with your. You don't need left tackle when you got a quarterback that can't hold on to the football. You're asking people, look, man, in today's economic state and today where things are, you're asking people to spend good money for uh, oh, hundreds all day, and hundreds of dollars. Correct.
5: And then you and then you go out and you brag about your cap space. And again, is this the standard, Jake? That's acceptable right now. You're six and year five. You look at the last three years. Last year, you finished 8th, right in the middle of the AFC. The year before, that 7th. The year before, that 10th. Right now, I think you're 12th in the conference. So you have been an average to below average franchise in this conference. And you benefit from playing in the easiest division in this conference. I'm waiting for the owner to have some public accountability with the GM and head coach. The same public accountability he had for Carson Wentz, largely because Carson Wentz didn't want to get vaccinated. I'm waiting for the same sort of public accountability with this GM and head coach, and not just a, here's a contract extension for finishing middle of the pack. Here's for being close in the AFC South. Yeah. It's coddling. That's what it is. It's coddling. It's believing that, well, this guy, you know, they get along, They have the same shared vision in a results business. The results have not been there. And when when from the top down are you going to get some of that and not just a few fired-off tweets on a Thursday afternoon? Kevin, when you have – Frank Reich is a very nice human being.
4: There's no doubt about it. He's an asset to this community. He is a wonderful human being. Theoretically, I don't know him well, but, you know – Great human. He's a man of spirit, a man of faith. Those are all wonderful characteristics and traits to have, right? But- when, when, when people talk about Chuck Knoll and Tom Landry and Don Shula and Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, they talk about their wins and losses in the, in the as football coaches and how well they know the game of football. And Tony Dungy was a man of great strength and conviction and even steady pace. And guess what? People were ready to go ahead and move on from that, except for that Tony Dungy had a veteran-laden team with a guy like Peyton Manning. He was the perfect complement for a leader – and a group of mature players that were ready to win. This franchise is not a group of mature players that are ready to win. It's a mismatch of young players trying to find their way and an older player who is coming in trying to put the final icing on a career that has been a good one in Matt Ryan, but we don't know how much of that is left. It's a mismatch of personalities that need probably a steadfast, here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it, and here's what's going to happen, as opposed to, well, we're really close. It's just all constructed at this point in a very, very, in my opinion, just hodgepodge kind of way.
5: Lewis, your thoughts on where things are right now?
4: I think
9: this is a, a disaster. Um, I think Ursae, honestly, he, the only reason he keeps those two around because it's peace versus with Pagano and Grigson where he had to play mediator and – the big person in the room and say, "You know what? You guys stop arguing." And so Chris and Frank don't argue. It's peace among them. So he's like, or she's like, "You know what? I would take a little bit loss of this as long as they're getting along, and I don't have to mediate a fight or argument anymore." Boy, I, I think, mean, he had a call
5: I call think there's a lot of truth in that.
9: He, he had a call in psychologist, and then too, I'm thinking about. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a Colt fan, and I'm actually traveling up for the Tennessee game in a couple of weeks and I'm spending a lot of money on those tickets what my wife did she spent a lot of money on those tickets for my birthday gift on top of a hotel room and all that for me to stay for them to put that type of product out there and it's just it's embarrassing I don't want to go there and be embarrassed it's like man they beat us at home and at their home
5: <laughs> Lewis thank you I think there's a lot a lot of truth in that sentiment not only from the fan base but um, I think his description of how Jim Merce views his GM head coach combo right now I'm telling you. Now, are they going to make changes till the end of the year? Probably
4: not, right? And there's still time to get it worked out. But the, I'm telling you, that time slipping through the hourglass. You you now, within your division, you can't win a game in your division? Well, when I hear yesterday that we're
5: close, what in the last five games has indicated you're close?
4: Well, I mean, they were a, a naughty word away. Well, yeah, you're right. They were close to losing to the Chiefs, I guess, yeah.
5: Please you know? point to me what in the last five weeks makes me think all of a sudden it's going to get turned around. We'll get some fan tweets of the game. We sent that out last night. We'll hit on those. Jeff Saturday going to join us at the 9 o'clock hour. We'll continue to take some calls. Kevin Aquary here on a uh, Sour Monday in Indy. It's a very quick turnaround for the Colts this week. Thursday in Denver, one of their longest road trips of the year in the altitude on Thursday night. It looks like a, it's supposed to be a pretty nice night for football out there. The two worst scoring teams in the NFL will be meeting on Amazon Prime uh injuries Jake anytime they happen on a Sunday and you're playing a short week comes the center of attention especially when those names are Jonathan Taylor Shaquille Leonard obviously with Leonard's concussion you would not expect him to be playing um especially given everything that just happened in the NFL last week um Jake you are Mark not, with the snide comment there yeah two have played I mean Jake who knows any concussion obviously is you you don't want to see it. When I saw that happen to him yesterday, I thought to myself, oh, man. You talking about Shaquille Leonard? Yeah. I just thought, is this something that is going to weigh on him? Right. Is going to linger? Is going to – and I know I'm being a little bit vague, but the guy's been through a lot physically. He's been through a lot mentally off the field. He's admitted he's been through a ton over the last year plus. It did seem like he was in – based off listening to some teammates, he was in decent spirits after the game. Um, But obviously that was a huge hit. And, I mean, he was bleeding pretty pretty significantly. He was. And I thought, I thought he looked
4: – I thought Shaquille Leonard before the injury – and, you know, because he got injured, you, you almost hate saying this, but I thought it looked like he was not playing – he looked about 80%. And, I mean, look, Shaquille Leonard, 80%, pretty darn good player. But to me it looked like he was almost avoiding major contact.
5: Yeah, he looked like a guy that had the amount of rust that he was – Alluding Correct. to in recent weeks. Jonathan Taylor, kind of conflicting. Zach Heaver mentioned the Colts are fearing potentially a high ankle sprain. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, um, acted like it wasn't a significant sprain. But still, on any short week, you're obviously going to keep an eye on that. I don't think, I don't believe Taylor's ever missed a game due to injury. He had a COVID situation a few years ago. Uh, but that is obviously huge Heading into Thursday night. Uh, let's get to Alex. Alex, welcome to Kevin and Corey.
10: Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I just have a question regarding the watch the construction. Um, I think you guys hit on it a, a, a ton. Um, I mean, like, I'm just basically at the point of, like, what's it going to take for Ballard to, to just see that his philosophy is, like, outdated? You know, I mean, we've had – I mean, it's been a ton of free, free agents out there that we've constantly passed on. And – I was one of the one of the people that was under the impression that we were going to hopefully get a quarterback this year. But everyone told me that Ryan was the answer and all of that, and that we look at quarterback next year. Because, I mean, at some point, we're going to have to trade up to get one, right? I mean, just look around the league, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow. I mean, and we're just stuck just band-aiding it. And it just gets to a point to where Ballard, that, that constantly keep shoving, you know, strong, Doolin, Patman. And, I mean, Kansas City, everyone around the league has dynamic wideouts, tight ends, And we just – it's like we're just struggling to just stay afloat. And it just gets to a point where we just keep having to hear the same thing. We like who we have. And if—and people always say, well, we didn't have a quarterback then. But at the same token, if they can go – all these other free agents can go to Jacksonville and all that money talk. And I just feel like we have all this cap space year after year after year, and we do nothing with it but just constantly just – Ignore players that can make us better. And I'm just not understanding at what point is it going to change for Ballard to to get that he needs to go out and spend, try to, you know, and now granted it has to be a two-way street. The agents have to want to come here. But at some point, I mean, we have to go out and just, I mean, like for the example, the trade deadline is coming up. And I don't even think we're going to even make a trade. I mean, we just need to do something to just get a spark. And my last thing would be, what do you guys think about Sean Payton? You know, possibly coming here because I think at least between him and Frank, he would get in some players. And he, if they make a mistake, he'd, he'd jump down the and throw them. He would get some accountability there. So, what Pre- do you guys think about all of this?
5: Appreciate it, Alex. Let's start with kind of the Ballard philosophy. I remember asking him last January, and maybe at some point this week, Mark, we can find this audio. This is a Ballard season-ending presser, and literally, I walked in there and thought to myself, you just had seven Pro Bowlers and missed the playoffs. That would, as general manager, that would have me thinking, why? How? The most pro bowlers in the league and just missed the playoffs? So I asked him, I said, do you feel your blueprint needs adjusting, tweaking, changing? And in a long-winded answer, he pretty much said no. And that's where I felt like the question of what wins in today's NFL is one that he's never truly challenged himself with. Stuck in the Bears days. You played Little League Baseball, right? Loved it. Favorite time as a athlete. If you were a Little League
4: Baseball coach and you had a really unathletic player who it was your boss's kid and you had to put him on the field, you'd put him in either left field, right field, or first base, right?
5: Yeah, maybe second. Maybe hide him in second, but yeah.
4: Okay. The, the Colts' pro bowlers are in left field, right field, and first base. The, Colt, the, the, the pro bowlers the Colts have... Are in the positions where typically you get the least impact.
5: Just Saturday joins us in the nine o'clock hour. Kevin and Corey. Another three score deficit in the AFC South, and the Colts are just a bad team in an even worse division right now. That's a state of the franchise here on October 3rd. The Colts won two and one on the year, and now it's a short week with the Denver Broncos waiting on Thursday night. That game is not going to be aired
3: locally. Amazon Prime or nothing. Well, that's which might be a good thing for fans. That's different than what we thought. So is that that's how it's been all season? For local
5: Yeah, teams? I thought in market
4: there were they were available.
5: I was under the impression that just the Monday night games have been picked up locally. But okay. if someone has, knows otherwise, feel
3: free to I was, correct me on I that. I was curious how that would work because technically then the broadcast feed would still be the streaming version over the air though so they have any glitches if amazon had any issues yeah that's that's
5: a good technological question i don't
3: sorry that was a nerd question yeah that
5: was (laughs) feel free to play the nerd sound um but yeah i think the monday night games have been picked up but i don't believe um thursday night will be um let's get to our fan tweet of the day mark you tweeted out last night jake anything stand out to you from the fan I tweet? darren king who i love when he said
4: i i believe it's worded as give us five f- words or less right? summarize the colts mm-hmm. in five words or less <laughs> he put 70 million under cap <laughs> i think that's a, the numbers inflated but the point was well made right
5: people were not pleased Orioles kangaroo, all chips in my ass.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, I said phrasing. Okay. might want to rephrase how you said that one. That one was a little... Uh... The, the tweet from the Kevin and Query account,
4: at Kevin and Query, by the way, in five words or less, describe your thoughts
3: on the Colts game today. Um, Robbie, second verse, same as first. Blythe, 1970, Matt Ryan experience over now, question mark.
5: I thought the I thought the best one was this from Rob, and this is uh, there's not like a ton of humor in it, but I think it just kind of
3: sums it up right now. GM and coach situation, Colts poorly constructed and unprepared. Yeah, my my favorite was from Ben Rowland, and it it echoes that overpaid in wrong position groups. Hello, darkness, my old friend. John, thank heavens for beer
5: jim time to clean house so for those curious mark sends out this tweet what do you usually like five six o'clock mark after a one Mm -hmm. o'clock kick and in five words or less we ask that you describe what you just witnessed for the previous 60 minutes some will make you laugh some will make you cry but i thought those were some of the best ones from yesterday
3: the marvel comics were cool if we're gonna talk about yeah, positives my uh my nephew's at the game and loved it yeah and the I like, cutouts of, this, of the players that was cool i like this from eric what a waste of and then it says time
4: energy money you guys can pick whichever one for the last <laughs> word <laughs> so all those uh, that would all about to five words right uh fire fire ballard reich and ursay you can't fire jim ursay
5: well there was a lot of sean payton stuff in there and i guess that was the other thing that um was it alex who just called in asked about sean payton Correct me if I'm wrong. You would need to trade for Sean Payton, right? Isn't he under Saints control for that a couple years? That is correct. Years? So I think Sean Payton, New Orleans, that there's a lot of hurdles to clear. But I get the vibe that Sean Payton definitely wants to coach again, and I do think he the, would be a 180 from the current operation you have. Two things here, by the way. This
4: is this is the one that should most concern Jim Irsay, because a lot of people sent this, embarrassed to be a fan.
5: Yeah. see, Jake, I I think the fan base is as close to apathy as I've seen in quite some time. Because think about this. When you had a bad season in 2017, when you had a bad season in 2011, when you had a bad season in 2001, what did you have in all those years? 2001, you had Peyton Manning on your team. 2011... You were looking like, oh my gosh, the Colts are about to have the number one overall pick and Andrew right. Luck is coming out. 2017, well, you still had Luck. It, this is teetering on the, this could be a really bad season and there's no Manning, there's no Luck, correct. there's no Given in the it's, 2023 we're draft. Back
4: to, it's 1992 all over again, right? Listen, it's like I told you, Kevin, and in, in, in whether people want to believe it or not in this town, there is a... The two pro sports franchises in town are always kind of looking at what the other one's doing and where they are. Well, Pacers have got to be thrilled right now. And the Pacers, to that point, the Pacers last year were terrible. And this year are probably not going to be much better. But the Pacers have gotten out front of it from an optics standpoint with the message to fans of, like, listen, we know it's going to be a bumpy ride this year. All we're asking is that you, like, buckle the seatbelts and enjoy the view out the window. Because once we get things smooth and going in the right direction, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. So so join in now while the seats are good. That's what the Pacers are saying. And people are like, okay, sure, there might be 20. Now, when they start out 10 and 20, maybe things will change. But people look at it and they go, I know the direction the Pacers are going. I know that there is light here. I know that there is, like, reason for optimism because they have bright young players and they are – making the move towards what the rest of the league is doing to try to do it better than the rest of the league does it. At least there's a game plan there. From a Colts standpoint, it's, okay, we have like three or four really elite players at positions that were really important 20 years ago, and then outside of that, I'm not sure really what the direction is. That's the problem that they're running into and that and where people, I think, are are hitting a wall here, right?
5: Uh, someone mentioned that they think Channel Six might have the game on Thursday. I'll have to double check that. Um, I was under the impression that it was not going to be on locally, but I'll certainly <laughs> double check that. Uh,
4: hey Jake, I don't have Twitter, so I'll just text it. My tweet would
5: be "Break out the paper bags." <laughs> a couple of those are at the Chiefs. Game. I, I, I saw, saw some paper
3: bags. Yeah,
5: don't want at that, the man. Chiefs game.
3: Another one. Someone DM'd me said uh, missed the tweet initially, uh, nearing complete apathy, which is not what you want as a fan base. Jake, you brought up ninety-two. And let's just hit on that for just a second.
5: I just turned 33 years old. I was born in 89. If you are a Colts fan, 38 to 40 or under, what those fans are feeling right now is pretty much unlike anything they felt as a Colts fan. Yeah. You're not old enough Correct. at you know, Correct. 38 or 40, you know, based off when you would have been born in the mid 80s to really remember 91, 92, 93. So now you you had created a standard as a franchise of this is the bar. And I'm I've got my hand high up in the air. This is the bar. The Manning years and the luck years. I mean even, you know, the bar of, you know, Rivers had a nice season. Like now you're entering a territory where It's purgatory, and you don't have the hope of this quarterback investment that is making you believe, and all of a sudden, the Jets have had some flashes with Zach Wilson. Jacksonville's had some flashes with Trevor Lawrence. Like The Colts are the one AFC team, probably outside of Houston, where they just don't feel any of that right now, Kevin, and that's dangerous. That is very dangerous in trying to turn over your season ticket group like inevitably you have to just based off age and trying to maintain a fan base
3: that would be for, in that kind of 40 or under range right for now. the Colts Broncos will be on RTV. by the way. Okay. Oh thank you for clarifying For the first 15, 15 years. That. The Colts were here. I lived
4: here. I was at, for the first 15 years. The Colts were here. The quarterbacking situation, Mike Pagel, Art Sleister, Mark Herman, Chris Chandler, Jeff George, Gino Toretta, I think, had a cup of coffee. Don Mikowski, Kelly Holcomb, Paul Justin, Craig Erickson, Steve Walsh, Ricky Turner. It was a constant rotation. Browning Nagel. What the Colts did to get people to come down, in the in the early years you had the the novelty of the fact the NFL was here in Indianapolis, but then you had Tom Zapanzich lifting Tonka trucks and Ray Compton juggling knives and... Uh, huddles the mascot and the one colt that came out on the field and then one time dropped poo at like the twenty yard line. These were the Is things that, Dave that they Matthews? had free poster day. What's that? Is that Dave Matthews. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Free uh, free poster day from Kroger, etc. Those were the things you had to do. And then Peyton Manning arrived, and then Andrew Luck arrived, and so it was like we are here because we're, we can finally sell football. And now all of a sudden, are they backpedaling into that area? I'm not trying to be hyperbole here, but I'm looking at the owner sending out tweets telling you what food to come out and eat and what, and the roof's going to be open and what band is going to be playing. And I'm looking at the quarterbacks and it's Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and, Matt Ryan and like and, and and Jacoby Brissett and Josh Freeman and Ryan Lindley and I'm like, what are we doing here? All of a sudden now, I'm literally wondering if I'm going to see a Mike Dukakis photo in a tank or find out whether or not Admiral Stockdale is going to be at at one of the debates because I'm living back in like 1988 all over again. Like, what are we doing here?
5: And that's dangerous. Correct. It's a really dangerous.
3: People deserve to be in. better
5: than that. You know, I think to get back to your Pacers Colts analogy for a second, because to be fair, I mean the Pacers believed in the previous era for a bit too long, but the Pacers are offering a bit of hope. And if you're going to be bad, at least offer some hope. And right now, the Colts are teetering on. Well, they are bad right now. Four weeks into the season, they are a bad football team. And then where's the hope? If you're going to go Band-Aid quarterback, the standard inevitably raises. When you make that move for Matt Ryan, what you're saying is, no, no, no. We have got to win the AFC South. We have got to be a playoff team. And they couldn't be further from that bar with how they've performed through the first four weeks of this season. Uh, Let's take some calls here. Let's begin with Mel. Mel, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing good. Thanks for calling.
2: Yeah, listen. You know, I've been listening to you guys for years, I, and I, this is a—I'm a kind of a first-time caller. And the thing that aggravates me more than anything, I've been a season ticket holder for the Pacers and the Colts longer than both of you are alive. <laughs> and, and when I hear you beating on Irsee and Ballard and Wright, they deserve it. I agree with what what's happening. I hated it when I went to the game yesterday. But you don't give Pritchard any kind, or Simon, or any of the Coles uh, Pacers the same beatdown as you do the Coles. The
5: Pacers are Mel, Pacers were you listening are, when I had some Kevin Pritchard thoughts back around Christmas and into the New Year? I, I think I was pretty, um, pretty much holding his feet well, to the fire.
2: Not, not, not the way you do it. Constantly, it's endless. And you know, the Pacers are a ba- basically a forty to forty-one win team. Maybe on a good, on a good year, they finish maybe first. You know, maybe a, to get in the playoffs, about an eighth place or something like that. And that's about it.
4: And Mel, Mel, here's the thing: the Colts in this town, the NFL is king, right? Mel, we we can agree to that, uh, right? Well, I guess so. It, it is. And and so, in this town, the NFL is going to generate 70% of the conversation. The NBA gets 30%. Fair statement? uh, Perhaps. Okay. Okay. I'll go with that. The critique of Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey is 70% to the 30%, the critique of Kevin Pritchard and Herb Simon. So, the critique that is offered is parallel to the level of interest that is generated on the airwaves in this station about either team. So when you look at the, the relativity to the level of interest and conversation, especially in football season about them, then I think what you would say is that it is an equivalent level of critique that is made of the Pacers brass than the Colts brass. And all I've said is at least the Pacers brass this year came out and said, look, here's what we're doing. It's going to suck, but this is what we have to do right now to be competitive,
5: so we're asking you to, to get on board. That's all I, I could. Have, I mean, Mark can probably find the audio, but I have said before that I thought Kevin Pritchard should have lost his job before all of this rebuild from the hiring of Nate Bjorkeren and how big of a mistake that was to the inability to draft at the level that is necessary in this market. And finally, you have now accepted this rebuild. So I, I would strongly push back on that. Um, Let's go with Brandon. Brandon, how you doing?
2: Not bad, not bad. I appreciate you taking the call. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, what do you think about then maybe uh, trying to get the ball out of his hands a lot quicker, maybe giving the line a little bit more of a chance to uh, get a cohesive bunch, get a thing going, and let the plays develop down the field for one. Uh, for two, I was rewatching watching the uh, Colts and Kansas game, and it was a pass play. Uh, each offensive lineman had five there's five defensive line. Everybody has somebody's block. For whatever reason, Kelly goes and doubles uh, with the right tackle and lets him run right up the middle for a sack. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm wondering, is something is something deeper going on that you know that that's that's deeper than football going on within right now? Because it, it just looks like it's on purpose sometimes.
5: Yeah, I, I don't. Brandon, I don't know where you're kind of going with that last part. I think it was just, frankly, a miscommunication um, that had been a big issue for the offensive line. We did see Will Fries in the game there for um, Danny Pinter. He started yesterday, so they did make one offensive line switch, which we had hinted at late last week. Uh, you know, getting the ball out quicker, I, I I mean, I guess that would be the goal, but, you know, are you guys getting open that early in plays? It seemed to be on the stuff that you hit on yesterday, it was a little bit more of the slower developing um, kind of tight end crossers tight ends had a great day great day yesterday most receiving yards in the nfl uh this season for a tight end group 180 i think it was the final total for mo alley cox kylan granson and jelani woods i mean getting the ball out quickly also is relying upon receivers that can immediately get separation right and you I mean, continue to see alec pierce a little bit you know i, I think that's critical as well. So, I thought, you know, if we are going to look at some positives from yesterday, the tight end group and Alec Pierce would yeah, fall into right. that category. Poor, poor Alec Pierce. <laughs> uh, JR says, remind Bell that neither Herb Simon or Kevin Pritchard send out social media videos telling fans all chips are in. That will draw more scrutiny. Herb just likes his little team. Uh, here's a good one from Nathan. Let's
4: assume Ballard is fired at the end of the season. I'm not saying that's going to take place, but hypothetically speaking. If so, are the Colts in a better place in 2022 than they were in 2016 after Grigson got fired? I I would say probably even plain, right? Pretty parallel? Is there any more certainty to the direction of the franchise now than there was six years ago? Well, you had luck then.
5: Granted, he was banged up, but you just don't have that quarterback chip. Yeah, but I mean, that eventually, Kevin... That's- you don't have the quarterback chip, and you don't have the means to go and necessarily easily obtain that quarterback unless you, this season just totally bottoms out and you win three games and you're drafting in the top two. Right. That, I think, is where you get into the hope.
4: I mean, other teams found ways to address quarterback that, that's just I, I just keep going back to that I mean that that excuse like literally I I, I literally feel like in the year 2075 people are going to be calling this radio
5: station saying well you know ever since Jader Luck retired okay I mean yeah and this is where I disagree you know on that line Jake Matthew says you have to be in a position to draft high Kansas City and Buffalo did not start either of those drafts in taking Mahomes and taking Josh Allen with a high draft pick neither were in the top 10 Right, yet, that's what Bill's I'm saying. Sp- I know you, they, they, you they and found I, their guy. They yeah, yeah. You, you and I could not agree more on this. When you're sitting there, when Andrew Luck hangs it up, and you go seven to nine, and you've got the 13th overall pick that next year, that is an opportunity where you don't have to mortgage massive amounts of the future to trade up. But that's an opportunity. I think Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, when they took Mahomes, they their drafting position that year was 27,
4: and they saw something.
5: I remember. Patrick Mahomes is they had Alex Smith and they were drafting 27 they had a fine quarterback quarterback that was getting them to the playoffs right and they saw what
4: arm talent remember that was the big the big thing with him arm talent they loved his arm talent
5: how about his touchdown last night to Clyde Edwards (laughs) you
4: I mean Patrick Mahomes man he's, he's the Steph Curry of the NFL you just see stuff and you're like wow nobody else seems to be doing that
5: Mark let's get to one more who uh who should we throw on Let's go with... Jeff Saturday, by the way, going to join us here in a few. Let's go to Ladarius. Ladarius, what's up? Um,
11: I'm calling in. I came down from Nashville to um, see the Titans and coach, and it was a good game. And you know, um, But the fumbling of Matt Ryan
5: was like a problem. It's an issue. Yeah. It's a big issue.
11: But I'm actually... I, I listen to y'all radio all the time. I'm actually a Titans fan, but I, I listen to y'all, so I like to know... Perspectives of both sides. So, um, but I feel like it would have been a better game. if The turnovers that the Colts gave, you know, wasn't there. Now, Ladarius, you live in Nashville. Yeah, I live in that. I'm I'm actually leaving my hotel now. Okay, Um, now did you? I'm going back to Nashville.
4: So, is this your dedicated AFC South fan? Is this the first time you've been to Indianapolis, Ladarius?
11: No, I I come to all. I've been came to the last. Three, no, the last, yeah, the last three. I always come to Indianapolis because I feel like ugh, the Titans, you know, have been winning. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't want to spend a lot of money on my hotel and stuff and then it's a chance we lose. So I feel like it's like a, a better chance we win this game.
4: Now, now, aside from the football itself, Ladarius, I'd like to think were people good to you here? Do you enjoy it? Because Nashville's a great city. I've always uh, yeah, had good success in Nashville. Um, have you enjoyed your time in Indy?
11: I enjoyed my time. has been great. Okay. Well, stop by and
4: get some, um, you know, I don't know, some good breakfast or something before you hit the road and then drive safely. But I appreciate the call. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, one of these times, the
5: Colts will spoil a trip for you, Ladarius. He's seen what, four straight wins? Yeah. Inside of Lucas Oil love- Stadium for his team?
3: How about <laughs> him listening to other AFC South teams' radio? It's impressive. Should have done more impressions for him. Really get him to be a longtime listener. Boy. We should probably be thinking about him a little bit more. that's He decides to choose that path on a yep. daily basis there. You want more goat sounds, Ladarius? Whatever you want. Jeff Souter, going to join us here in a few. Let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown.
4: Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at
0: ballstatesports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The
5: Fan. Matt Ryan's fumbling issues. Yep. It's a problem. The quarterback talked about it
3: after yesterday's loss.
1: I go back to it. I think I've been, you know, pretty good um, throughout my career. It's been a very uncharacteristic four-game stretch. It's something I got to clean up and got to be better at. Um, find a way this week. You know, I think if we can put together a clean game, you know, just just go out there and put put together a clean game where we're not turning it over. You know, we're we're executing the way we can. I think we can be very good. <laughs> okay.
4: If we can just get rid of peacock noises, bobcat sound effects, and goats, we could be a good radio show. Yeah, right, exactly. That seems
3: like that was all in my direction. And we
5: could be 19th in the mid-market rankings instead of where we're at. If if we could get an
4: app that
3: works, we could really increase listenership.
5: Five interceptions. You've done
3: it now. You've made the peacock angry. Nine fumbles from Matt Ryan. Hey, he's three away from a career high. And fumbles. (laughs) Screaming peacocks, by the way, back in the wind column. This week in our fantasy league, just FYI. I
5: I think I won also. I think I'm in the rare week where I'm looking like I might win all my matchups, but I think I need Devo. Oh, how many teams do you (laughs) have? I'm a nerd. How many leagues leagues are you in? Nerd. I'm in a couple leagues, to say the least. Uh, Injury watch, Jonathan Taylor, that sprained ankle, and Shaquille Leonard uh, did suffer a concussion, sounded like he was in decent spirits afterwards, drove home, uh, which is a good sign. That was a big hit. Man, Zaire Franklin just smoked smoked Shaquille Leonard on that play. Pretty
3: rare you see friendly fire, that kind of impact,
5: though. Yeah, right on the goal line like that. So,
3: (laughs) Injury watch for Denver as well.
5: They're going to be missing some key guys, it looks like, on Thursday night. By the way, in the Kevin and Quarry Fantasy Football League, the
4: one good news for the league is that this one fella has uh, quit sending me nine trade proposals a week. Are you saying you didn't like that? He tr- he offered me eight players for Cooper Cup. I'm like, dude, you can only keep like 12 guys on your roster. What am I supposed to do here? Just saying.
3: What do you want me to do with Greg Zerline?
4: <laughs> I mean, it was getting a little excessive, right?
5: <laughs> uh, good work for Purdue this weekend. Jeff Brom called it one of the prouder wins that he has had in West Lafayette. I would agree. They finally win in Minneapolis. And right now that Big Ten West is absolutely wide open to see who will play. bit of a traffic jam. Ohio State, right? In the Big Ten Championship game yeah, well, here?
4: Are you kidding me? Ain't nobody coming within 28 of Ohio State.
5: Uh, did you see the Michigan spread
4: with Indiana this weekend? Where is that game?
5: In Bloomington.
4: Okay. Uh, Michigan by 17. 21 and a half. Yeah. Well, I, I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Who's uh, at Maryland. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. And probably a good coordinator. With a, Tom Allen ain't it. I'm sorry, but... They just look sloppy and undisciplined and the same thing every week. Jake, they took a timeout on the first play of the game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Had to get their stuff together. We did that this morning at 7.05. Like, what,
5: what do you think? Like, hey, we need to quiet down the crowd a little bit here. <laughs> It's a little bit too loud. Everybody, relax a
3: little bit. Just calm down. <laughs> L-E-O. Wow,
5: calm down. <laughs> that's
4: pretty good there,
3: Mark. That was really, really raspy, really good. Can you what can that? you give me a Tom Allen acting as Tucker from Something About Mary? Oh, jeez, you're having me spray to a lot of fields right there. Yeah, uh, twice last year. <laughs> I guess that's, that's not the best I can do. Uh, Major League Baseball. Do we have any
5: spots up for grabs in the playoffs? Mary, Mary. <laughs> I think we're set, aren't we? I think all of it is set. Braves um, won 100 games yesterday. Maybe the Phillies still Not all still, in one day. The Phillies still need to clinch over the Brewers. I I think that's the one aspect um You know what? Final this wild card spot. This
4: is going to be a really exciting Major League Baseball playoff, quite honestly. How about the Mariners and the Cardinals are going to win the World Series.
5: I think This is What did you just say? You're just saying that to like no, set up Cardinals. This fans. is one of those years where you're like, "Oh
4: my gosh, the St. Louis Cardinals are still around. It's like the nightmare that never ends." And then, you know, oh, best fans in baseball, look, they, they set off Yadier Molina because they understand baseball better than anybody. And they're going to win the World Series. Watch. The, the, the Yankees will be like a, they'll have like 130 total wins, get in the World Series. Everybody get excited. Cardinals will just slip their way in. And then before you know it, the Cardinals win the World Series in six.
3: You guys see the call. Oh, that of sounds Dave. like my nightmare right there. The call of
5: Dave Sims with the Mariners sitting that walk-off to go to the playoffs. Yeah, it was good, he did a great job. Uh, great longest call. drought in Major League Baseball playoff current streak 2001 you mark my words that
4: ended 9 28 a.m on October 3rd Cardinals going to win the World Series if
5: nothing else they're going to win the pennant Pacers their first preseason game is Wednesday that will be on the road I think it's at Charlotte um, I believe there's no television broadcast broadcast Um, Here locally, Bally will do the home preseason games. Our coverage will begin at 630 um, at Charlotte. Next Wednesday will be the preseason home opener. We are two weeks and two days away from the regular season opener. Awesome. I'm excited. Very. I can't believe that. October 19th will begin the start to the pace for season. And Mel, we will be critical. All right, Jeff. Boy, I feel like Mel just wasn't listening during that. I think people get radio shows confused, to be honest with you. My thoughts on Kevin Pritchard. I, I thought I was pretty adamant about the issues that I had. I mean, the let's not act, I mean, Pacers haven't won a playoff series in how many years? Haven't won a playoff game in how many years? Let's not act like we were ignoring that back during the Pacers season. Uh, did you
3: get a hold of Jeff? I haven't called him yet. Jeff, Saturday, gotta hopefully gotta anyway.
5: will join us next here. Kevin and 28 minutes before the hour. He
4: does it each and every Monday, and we appreciate him carving the time to do so. Jeff Saturday here to talk about the Colts with us, and Jeff, we'll get right to this. Um, You know, there are a lot of areas in where you can point to to say that the Colts came up short against the Tennessee Titans, but you know more about this game and have forgotten more about it than I'll ever know, so I'll just go straight to that point. If you had to pinpoint one area that you would like to see cleaned up, it
12: would be what? Yeah. Ball security. Yeah, you know, we, we are, uh, we're abysmal right now, you know, turning the ball over at inopportune times. Um, and it's going to make every other area that's, that's struggling. It, it makes it, you know, glaring. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, your run game isn't nearly what you want it to be. Uh, we're not very efficient at it at all. And so, you know, you have a chance you're down seven within the red zone and you fumble the ball. I mean, you know, you, you, you're fumbling snaps. Even if you get them back, um, just ball security—it it has to be a point of emphasis. It has to get cleaned up. If you're going to have any shot, the margin for error in the NFL winning is so slim anyway. But um, the way we're built right now, and the way we're playing, it's even—it's even tighter. Uh, and so, to put yourself behind the eight ball the way we did yesterday, you're just not going to beat good teams uh, playing that way.
5: Jeff, I want to focus on that run game. I thought that was the most. Uh, shocking aspect to yesterday Tennessee came into yesterday dead last in the NFL and run defense we know the yeah. Colts they want to you know that they, they want that to be their strength and they had 23 carries for 38 yards it's the worst rushing performance in the Frank Reich era what did you see yesterday within that matchup
12: you know um man I, I am mean, I could I could get deep into this I think it would be difficult to do it, you know our style of zone you know defenses are playing them where they're crashing the end so basically they're pinching um, and, and clogging up the middle we don't have much of a perimeter run game really we don't have any perimeter run game right now and so um, it's allowing it's allowing linebackers to trigger when they see combinations um, we're not getting any movement at the point um, and, and, and Taylor's one of those guys who, as the game goes on, he, he tends to get better and better at seeing the hole, um, and so sometimes it's it's on him, too. Sometimes he's getting the bare minimum of what's blocked. I would tell you one of the early runs, maybe the th- second or third run of the game, I mean, it's a big hole right in the middle, and, and I think a safety made the tackle in the hole and, and uh, one-on-one, and again, that's one that – you know, to have those big 100-yard days, you got to make somebody miss. And if you just, just flip it over, I mean, just look at what Derrick Henry did. I mean, he made, you know, made one or two guys miss. He breaks 20, 25-yard run, and all of a sudden your run game looks completely different. And so we're, we're lacking in that. And, and I'm just telling you, it's not – defenses are going to play us that way. And, and I don't think that there's any surprise that that's the way that they are playing um, we got to get better at it. We got to either get more creative or be better, more efficient in what we're doing. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get ugly. And to your point, if that's what you're depending on, and that's what, you know, you're you, you bringing Matt Ryan, and that was part of it, right? Is hey, we can bring him in because we can run the ball efficiently and just have him manage the game and make big plays when we need to. Now we've thrown it all at his feet because uh, when they're shutting you down the way they did yesterday, there ain't anything but to ask the quarterback to win it.
5: Great Jeff Saturday. He's with us every Monday and I guess maybe Friday this week recapping Colts games here on the Payless Lickers hotline. Jeff, let's go to Matt Ryan. Um, Certainly the support around him is probably lacking in some areas, but the ball security has been an issue. Um, How would you evaluate the play of the 15-year vet this season?
12: You're not good enough. I mean, ball security is the number one part for, for a quarterback. And so um, you know, you, you look at turnover ratio and how that impacts games in the NFL. I, I mean, I don't know if it's the number one statistic, but it's got to be up there in the top two or three. Um, and, again, another, you know, another performance where when the ball gets hit, uh, it happened last week, and we kind of got a little bit – if there is pressure, you have to cover the ball. You have to protect the football. Um, and, and right now, it's just – there's too many times when it's on the ground, and even if they don't, get, even if the other team doesn't get it, it sets you behind the drive. You're so far out of phase now that you're playing in to the defensive hands, and so um, yeah, that, that it has to get better. And and again, it's and I'm not I'm not talking about the way he's spinning it or the way he's throwing it. I'm, I'm not you know getting into the quarterback side of it. I'm just talking about the the basics. Um, that portion has to get better. If we, again, the margin of error is so slim uh that, that he has to play above the x's and o's and right now uh that that's not happening by him dropping and, and, and the ball beat on the ground
4: jeff do you think it's possible frank reich has lost the locker room
12: no no I, I really don't i mean i know i know Frank. i know the guys in the locker room in all honesty i know some of those guys and uh, no man i mean this is a team that they listen they've started slow before with them and they've come back and they've done things and so is a team that believes they can fight their way out of this. I, I don't think that has changed uh, at all. I, I think when you, the, the problem for the Colts right now, in, in, and you know, other than the ball security offensively, um, and, and we could say this about yesterday's defensive, is is what's our identity? Like, what are we hanging our hat? We're hanging our hat on our run game, and that's not producing. We got problems, right? Like yesterday, the 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 Titans could do no wrong. I mean, Tannehill, I think was. I mean, he managed the game. Right? I don't know that he had 200 yards, but I don't think he had two, two or three incompletions. Maybe. I mean, it was. It, it seemed like every time he dropped back to throw it, it it's a completion. Um, and then every time Henry touched it, it was the, the piles getting moved forward. If, if if there's no part of your game that is that is stepping up, it's hard to win. I mean, you know, you you think about um, the good teams, and whether it's one drive or two drives uh we're, we're just it's, it's like we don't know what problem is going to be um and so you know which which area is not going to be stepping up and performing the way we need to So it's collective it's this isn't just on coaching this is there's a there's a lot of dudes who in that locker room got to hold hold themselves accountable as well and, and play better
4: Jeff, let me give you the analogy that I gave earlier, and then I want you, Jeff Saturday, to tell me if I'm way off base, and I know you'll be honest in critiquing that, right? Um, I basically said that McLaren came to the Indianapolis 500 a few years ago with Fernando Alonso, who is as talented a driver as you can find anywhere in the world, and they they just were off. They couldn't qualify for the 500. They couldn't get the speed, and then we later found out that they actually brought – a car that was designed for road and street course racing, which is a different configuration than an oval car. And when people tried to point it out to them, they didn't want to hear it because they were dead set that the car they had was okay. I feel like that's exactly what the Colts have done. And by that, I mean, I feel like the construction of the Colts has talent. It just has talent for a style of football that the rest of the NFL is going away from any truth to any of that.
12: Well, yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're talking about a team that wants to be, you know, run dominant, you you would you could say that, right? I mean, like there's going to be – you could say that about the Titans, right? I mean, there's, there's teams that you can say that about, that, hey, their philosophy of football, the Patriots, is different than the rest of the league right now. But I think a lot of that has to do with um, the pieces and parts around. I mean, and, and so – again if your philosophy is hey we're going to play good defense we're going to run the ball we're going to be efficient we're going to take play action shots you can win that way i mean there's listen there's a lot of guys who have won a lot of different ways i still think it's possible you're looking at the Dallas Cowboys are doing it exceptionally well with a backup quarterback they're what 4 and 0 Doing it exactly like that, but again, man, they're not turning the ball over. Their defense is freaking. They're all over the place. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're turning it. They're getting turnovers. So, whatever philosophy you believe in, Jake, like, like you got to execute that philosophy. And that—that's what I mean by the Colts. If if you're going to be run, if you're going to be run heavy, you got to be the most creative run team in the league. Then you better be doing something that goes, man. Like, look at what they're doing. It can't just be. Hey, we're you know we're going to run we're going to run you know inside outside zone and that's it there if, because that's just that's not going to just keep translating to to movement and so I think that's kind of that would be what I would say is if if this is your philosophy you have to play the way that the Cowboys are playing where you are turnover efficient on defense you are trusting in those runs because listen we have two of the best backs in the game I mean we have a top five backfield. Um, but you know, you, you you watch teams like Green Bay. They put both those guys on the field a lot together, and they create an offense kind of based around it. Um, so, I, so I think there's there's areas for growth, and I definitely think there, there's enough talent to win. You just got to go execute it and play play efficient in it.
5: No touches for Naeem Hines yesterday until four minutes to go in the third quarter. Jeff, last yeah. one from me. And again, Jeff Saturday is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. A busy Monday morning of travel for Jeff, so we appreciate his time. Uh, Jim Mercy was pretty public last week. Jeff, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, in expressing kind of his passion behind this matchup. Tennessee has now won four straight in Indy. They've won five of six. Uh, knowing Jim Ursay like you do, um, how do you think he views this current run in the division for the Colts? They have uh, not won their last four games. They've been down by at least three scores in each of those four AFC South games.
12: Well, I'm sure he's pissed, bro. I mean, I mean, here's the listen. You know, Ursay wants to win as bad as anybody I've been around. Like he he cares and 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 you know wants it wants it as bad as any owner out there and cares and knows probably more about football than most owners in all honesty so um yeah man there's no way he's happy with what's going on and and to your point right to, you, we, we lose 24 nothing to jacksonville we're down in this one 24 7 or 24 3 whatever it was i can't remember um early in the game and and uh, you know we battle back we, we get close but it's you know close, close didn't help anybody sleep at night in the nfl quote you know close means we're all looking for something else and so um that that's that's got to be frustrating for jim and and listen frustrating for chris and for frank like i mean it makes no words like these guys understand that it's a it's a it's a production business and if we're not producing uh you know we got to figure out why and figure out fast
4: jeff last one for me i'm going to give you a listener question for jeff saturday this from ryan on twitter Uh, hey guys can we get jeff saturday to come in and run the colts organization (laughs)
12: <laughs> hey, absolutely you tell you tell Jim to, to send that uh what does he call it the horseshoe down there down towards Atlanta
4: <laughs> would you do it honestly if if an opportunity oh, bro, presented I'm, itself in in management for you I'm not saying the Colts I mean we're not you know Chris Ballard's here but if yeah, if yeah, some yeah. if that conversation percolated would you be would you take that call
6: I, in all honesty
12: I've had conversations with people throughout the league uh, over the past few years and it I'm pretty happy doing TV uh, at this point, so it would be—it is a commitment, and, and I'll be honest with you, man. It's a family commitment, you know, from from you know my my with with my wife and I and my my kids and that, those kinds of things. There's a lot to it, so it's not just you know would you. It would be uh, all of the, all of the different factors. So I've never gotten so close where I would tell you that I was seriously considering it, but I've had a number of conversations. So, but I am honored that people ask, and I appreciate it. Uh, and listen I love the game I love I love the Colts was that conversation uh, ever with the Colts no 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 I mean yeah they've been you know they they re-signed you know Chris and them recently and I think Jim's pretty happy with the way that the organization has has gone um you know and now obviously with the 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 struggle early people are going to ask questions but um you know Jim's pretty stable man he's not a He's not a you know kind of jump around type guy, so I feel pretty convinced these guys are going to get it turned around, and then then they'll be they'll, then the, all the people in India will be happy I am doing TV. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Jeff, safe travels, and uh, hopefully we can catch up with you if you got some time on Friday to recap Thursday night football.
12: Sounds great. Talk to you guys then. That's
5: Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Um, I would echo, and I think we've mentioned this a few times in regards to where things are right now jim has been pretty stable that would be jim Mersey, jake but as we said earlier this is starting to get to kind of unlike anything he's had in his ownership time
4: i just figured this out kevin in the tennessee game they were down 20 to 3 right correct uh 24 to 3 right yeah 25. 24 to against three. tennessee uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry uh houston 20 yeah,
5: houston 20 to 3
4: Twenty-four to three against Tennessee, and twenty—they lost twenty-four nothing to Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm.
5: Yes, and then if you go back to Week Eighteen with Jacksonville, they were down twenty-three to three in that game.
4: So, okay, so and that was what twenty-eight to what? That was twenty-three to three. Twenty-three to three. Okay, so that means that they have now trailed ninety-one to nine in their last four divisional were games.
5: You scanning my Twitter account yesterday,
4: did and, you send that out
5: that number? I, think I had that at some point during the game. I mean, it's awful. You've been down three scores by at least three scores in each of your last four divisional games. <laughs> Blake
4: sends a tweet. You can't smell fire without Frank Reich. <laughs> okay.
5: We'll do it one final time here. Kevin and Query. Obviously focused on a lot of issues for the Colts exiting yesterday when they were down 24 to three. Could not complete the comeback. Was a great day for the tight ends. They were targeted 11 times, 11 catches for 180 yards. Like I was saying earlier, most catches or most yards in a game for a tight end group in the NFL this season. Really? Alec Pierce, nice afternoon, four for 80. That one ball by Matt Ryan late in the game, I thought his arm had fallen off. (laughs) Do you ever play 500 in the backyard? 500? Yeah.
4: No, how's that played?
5: Mark, do you ever play that? Yeah, of course. Um basically the thrower of the ball has let's say five or six people down, you know, thirty or forty yards out, and they create points associated with each throw. So, you know, this ball's worth a hundred. You throw the ball in the air and then everybody else tries to catch it down there. And then um, you know, surprise box or something like that, you know. Basically you're just throwing the ball as high as you can and seeing everybody go after it. That looked like Matt Ryan's throw to Alec Pierce yesterday. When you played backyard
4: football, like Nerf football with your buddies, did you have, Did you first off, did you go Apple or Mississippi on the count before you could rush the passer?
5: I think we did Mississippi, but it sounded like, it was pretty much the rhythm of Apple.
4: Okay, and then did you do one play per four where you could blitz?
5: I don't think we ever allowed a blitz. Did
4: you, Mark? like?
3: No, I don't recall that too much. I don't know if we allowed blitzing.
4: Yeah, we, you would have to yell out blitz, and then, you know, that meant that you didn't have to do the count. You didn't have to do the count. You just went for it.
3: That sounds right. be a lot of non-contact injuries these days <laughs> we played 500, <laughs> I feel like, at our ages. More of a pass happy. Yeah.
9: And we had Game so much backyard. fun That's back in the day playing. Did you have the Nerf ones
3: that whistled? Oh, sure. That was the, the Vortex. The Vortex, yes. baby.
4: No, you we what we would do with Nerf footballs is you would get a Nerf football, and you'd soak it in water. Mm-hmm. and then let it dry out and so it would kind of like harden the nerf mm-hmm. football man that you they were awesome
5: uh let's get to tim tim you want to talk about the passing offense
7: yeah can you hear me
5: yep loud and clear
7: um yeah i'm not calling to be a matt ryan apologist but um you know the ball security is obviously an issue um but the offensive line i, don't, I didn't listen to the first couple hours but I mean, he's getting no time to throw. I mean, it, it did seem to get a little better. Now,
4: Tim, what were you doing this morning between 7 and 9?
7: Uh, I got three kids, so there was, there was a lot going on there.
4: <laughs> so does Mark. Yeah. yeah.
7: No, understood. And you make a very good point. There's no doubt well, that – Well, hold on. A little more. A little, little, One other thing. Um, the, the offensive line just – I mean, you look at his stat line, He's he's at like 75% yesterday, like passing. So, I mean, he is accurate. You don't ever say, look, that ball is – a terrible throw other than that Pierce, that long one, Kevin just mentioned. But, I mean, he's always on point if he has time to throw. So, I mean, it's like if he gets time, I don't know if they're ever going to fix the offensive line for the rest of the year. But, I mean, you saw um, Rodgers, if you watched that Pat, Pat Packers game yesterday, he had a defensive back seven yards off the line, and he would just snap it and throw it to the receiver immediately. So, I don't know if that's what they need to do. Um, I mean, it's a copycat league. So hopefully Reich was watching that. I'm like, you got to get the ball out quicker. I mean, he, all of his throws were at a tight end. So he's clearly doesn't have enough time. So I don't know. That's just my thought. No, that's
5: a fair yeah, point. Yeah. I think Tim makes some good points there. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, I don't want to act like this is just a Matt Ryan issue, but so much of that ball security. You just, I mean, Jacoby's getting the, you know, what beat out of him a few years ago and he's not fumbling at the rate that Ryan's fumbling. I thought. And yeah, accuracy numbers, like if you look at the percentage, it was a pretty good day. You know, 27 of 37 is not bad from an accuracy standpoint. Jake, missing Michael Pittman on those two red zone opportunities early in the game, those are timing, throwing with anticipation moments. That's why you got Matt Ryan for a chance to find your number one wideout in a goal-to-go situation, and you got to put the ball on the money. And it's, it's a tight window, but welcome to the NFL in that area of the field. And it's why you got him and why you got rid of Carson Wentz. For those moments to where you punch that in for seven, and that feels a whole lot different than three, and you had Pittman on two different occasions there where that ball's just got to be on the money. Matt Ryan's making too much money, and you know you're going to be void in some other areas of the offense that when those precious timing and anticipation situations occur in a game, particularly in that part of the field, you got to capitalize on them.
4: Dennis, you will round us out this morning. What's up, Dennis?
0: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm I'm probably going to bring a different perspective to than the other callers here. Me personally, I checked out on the team during the uh, Bagano and Grigson era. To me, it was pretty evident very early on that Chuck Bagano had no idea what he was doing i met ryan griggs and actually a couple times and i was still a server in the restaurants the dude was a jerk so those two things weren't working from the very beginning the way i see jim ursay is jerry jones light at this point all he cares about is putting butts in the seats he doesn't care about the product he just wants it to be just enough relevant to get people into the stadium and that is really unfortunate since I remember the very first game last year I have been checked out on this team and every year I say to them you got to show me until you show me something you're nothing very first game last year, I, I laughed my you-know-what off. I turned off the TV. This year, I'm kind of like, okay, you got Matty Ice. Last year, you had a really good run game. Let's see what you're going to do.
4: I appreciate the call. We're up against the Dennis. Um, listen, man, checked
5: out. is the last thing they want to hear, Kevin. And again, I think... That sentiment, maybe not to the degree of Dennis, but that sentiment is starting to teeter a little bit there. Apologies, Dennis. We are up against it with the end of our show. It's a short week for the Colts. No practice this week. We hear from Frank Wright today and tomorrow, and they will no head practice to at all? Denver. Nope. NFL teams have adopted this short week that uh, they do not practice before Thursday night football. Pacers will open up their preseason on Wednesday. Uh, who do we like tonight? Uh, Rams.
4: Yeah. Rams Jake, for pit. sure.
5: Rams for sure. Should I be the contrarian, take the 49ers? You want to.
3: It's
5: been kind of a fun rivalry. It's in San Fran, right? Over the last couple of years. 49ers and Rams on Monday Night Football. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Hope uh, that you coped with us, and we'll chat with you tomorrow at 7.